0: What, you want to learn something? Yes, I do. What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? All right. Here's a useful lesson for you. Give up. Just quit. Because in this life, you can't win. Yeah, you can try. But in the end, you're just going to lose, big time, because the world is run by the man. Who? The man. Oh, you don't know the man? Oh, he's everywhere. In the White House? Down the hall? Miss Mullins? She's the man. And the man ruined the ozone, and he's burning down the Amazon, and he kidnapped shampoo and put her in a chlorine tank, okay? And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? Oh, no. The man ruined that, too, with a little thing called MTV! So don't waste your time trying to make anything cool or pure or awesome, because the man's just going to call you a fat, washed-up loser and crutch your soul. So do yourselves a favor and just give up! Oh. Mr. Schneebly, it's after 10. On Tuesdays, the children have music class now. Right, okay. Ah, uh, good work, people. We will continue with our lecture on the man when we return.
1: Movie that, is, that movie is the very definition of the sum of its parts. Uh, can you drop my microphone level just a little bit there? i it. I know that I can... You, can you bitter my, my, my microphone? Can you saccharin my microphone just a little? I know that I almost never asked to hear less of my own voice, but it was deafening myself there. Um, School of Rock is the very definition of the sum of its parts. That's a movie that by all rights I ought to hate. Because it's got a bunch of adorable little children in it. Uh, It's got a bunch of adorable little children singing, uh, what is it, the um, Deep Purple songs. I mean, it's got Jack Black teaching adorable children. Uh, it uses a Ramon song for a musical montage of, I believe, a bunch of little girls stitching together clothing. So it's a really a movie that, ought, and it's PG. It ought to, in, and I believe at one point includes a long lecture from Jack Black about how to really rock, one must stay away from drugs and alcohol. I'm pretty sure that that happens about two thirds of the way through. Where he goes, Rock isn't about getting wasted. Rock's about, and then, and then he explained, Rock is about some other thing. But it really does work, a because Jack Black's in it. Because if they had cast like if that movie had um, like Rob Schneider or somebody, it would never, or or Adam Sandler, it would never work. Uh, So that's a because of Mike White, b because of Richard Linklater, c because of Jack Black, d because Jack Black is a fan of that music, and e because it's got the white hot Joan Cusack in it. Let me also say this about Joan Cusack, and that is to say that she is the sister of John Cusack. So there is this scene in High Fidelity. Uh, which I think we played last week, or maybe uh, we might have played it last Monday uh, when we got back from vacation. Where John Cusack is wandering around Champion Vinyl, which is the record store that he runs in that film. The protagonist, Rob. And what's his name? This sort of this sort of Dave Zinn-esque uh, clerk is playing. It's the new Bell and Sebastian. He's playing the song... And Jack, uh, Jack Black, John Cusack at one point starts speaking, and he does show with a pen in his mouth like this. And when he puts a pen in his mouth, he becomes Joan Cusack. That's the thing I learned. They have exactly the same voice, John and Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack, though, is just John Cusack with a speech impediment of some kind. Because if John Cusack puts a pen in his mouth and talks like this, he, be- he becomes Joan Cusack. And or uh, Stan Marsh's sister, Shelley. So, there you go. Thus endeth the lesson. Why, hello, it's uh, five minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11, and it's the month of October. That is to say, Tim? Yes? It's not October, Tim. What is it? For October. Thank you. In the year of our Lord, 2007. Thank you for coming by making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed, yet not overly really ostentatious studios of AM 970. Solid State Radio here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is uh, Tuesday, and welcome to Day 12. Why, hello. Uh, If you want to join us today, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970 with your comments, your clarifications, your conventions, your uh, two cents, your what have you. Uh, Scotty J is standing by ready, willing, and able to uh, pass along your observations about anything, whatever it is you want to weigh in on, the interesting, the groundbreaking... The tedious, the mundane, if he can tear himself away from the various Alicia Silverstone YouTube videos that he spent the vast majority of this morning watching. I walked by Scotty's room, I think, four different times today, and every... It's so great. It's great and awful all at once. Just Scotty, a 40-something man, is just sitting in there hunched over in the dark watching Alicia Silverstone videos from The Crush uh, on YouTube, on his computer. I'm sure that he will describe that as being some kind... Yes, I know, Scotty. I know it's all for the show. It's all prep. That's what, I, that's what I say as well. That's how I get yeah, out of it. I remember
2: everything. all those brilliant speeches from The Crush.
1: <laughs> like that one where she's nude in the bathtub, and then she says, Mr. Tucker! Yeah. No, that's the babysitter again. I constantly keep... I guess it doesn't really matter if I'm confusing the babysitter with the crush. In the grand scheme of things, yeah. In the grand scheme of things, that's probably not one of the things you really got to keep straight inside your mental Rolodex. I don't really know that there's any prize for that at the end of the line. Congratulations for keeping all of the various teen sex thrillers with Alicia Silverstone clear inside your brain. All right. Uh, it's 503 uh, He's described it as... Apparently, yes, he said that there's no interesting dialogue in The Crush. He's moving on to Poison Ivy. Well done, sir. All right. I will say, in Scotty's defense, he... I'm turning into John Q. In Scotty's defense. defense, he did pull that School of Rock speech uh, that we played just now. I think we've already played... We played something from School of Rock a few weeks ago. I forget what it was. I don't know what it. It might have been at the end when they're doing the prayer to the rock and roll gods or something. The, the kids are backstage at the competition. That's... Well, never mind. I'm not going to start. Um, I will say that is the other... That's the other thing that I kind of hold against School of Rock, the movie. Is that School of Rock... Now everywhere you go in Portland, uh, pampered white people can send their children to learn how to rock in a school. Because that's where the best rock and roll training always comes from, is from a school. Where a guy with a ponytail uh, talks to you about the moody blues. Whatever. Anyway, um, so I will say that Scotty, to his to his credit, did come up with that school of rock speech right now. I w- but I'm going to ask you right now. What is the one movie speech that no one ever needs to hear ever again? What is the one movie speech that no one needs to play at, at this in two thousand ten and the movie isn't that old, like fifteen years old maybe. Maybe fifteen at the outside. What is the one movie speech that no one ever needs to hear played, reproduced, or broadcast ever again? Sarah? And hey, it, less than no. An hour. no. No No no, but I appreciate your comedic timing. Well done. Tim, you have a guess?
3: The only one I, I could think of is an older one, uh, Patent Speech. No,
1: well, no, see, the Patent Speech is actually is actually okay. 30 years old the thing about the patent speech is it's so long you could actually take whole sections of it that people probably haven't heard in a long time that the patent speech is sort of like the Howard Beale I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore speech Uh, in that people only really remember and if you don't remember you see it every year at the Academy Awards when they do that cavalcade of why you care about movies they do that whole with you know movies greatest hits where they do 50 years of catchphrases to try to get you to go to the movies again and spend twenty dollars to Sit in an uncomfortable chair with loose springs and sit behind some idiot unwrapping jujubes. And so they'll play all of these, you know, we'll always have Paris. You know, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And then they then they do the thing of Jack Lemon taking off the wig, you know, in some Like It Hot. And then they show Howard Beale, rain-soaked in his top coat, wandering around the studio saying, I as mad as hell! You know, that whole thing there. But that whole speech, that Howard Beale speech, which I have tried... I have tried repeatedly and relentlessly to edit that down to use at the top of the show here, but it just never works. People think about that I'm as mad as hell speech, and it... It's not that it's not good. It really is. It's really one of the best written things ever in a movie. It doesn't really work on the radio because a lot of it is actually visual. Because there's Howard Beale and you only get him saying the, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to... You only get that like twice. And then the rest of it is Faye Dunaway and William Holden's reaction shots as they're running around the control room. It doesn't really work on the air. There's that other great speech uh, that Peter Finch... Uh, did in Network, where he's standing there on television as the host of the Howard Beale show, which Aaron Sorkin, God love him, ripped off for the beginning of Studio 60, where uh, Howard Beale is going insane again, because that's what he does in that movie, he's standing on television in front of the camera, and he goes, and I want you to turn it off, turn off the television right now, even in the middle of this sentence I'm saying, turn it off, you know, which is exactly what he had Judd Hirsch do at the beginning of Studio 60. None of those work on the air. Speaking of Aaron Sorkin, who I, and you know, I really do love that guy. He is one of my heroes. So Scotty was all over me this morning to play the A Few Good Men speech. He was all, I walk by and I hear Jack Nicholson blaring out of Scotty's studio. Jack, you know, the whole, the speech that leads up to the, you know, you can't handle the, I never, ever, 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 ever need to hear someone telling me that I cannot handle the truth ever again. That doesn't ever, and I wonder if Aaron. I mean, that's got to be a mixed blessing if you're a guy like Aaron Sorkin who wrote something that became such a cliched catchphrase. And yes, I I understand that the speech has a lot more than that, because there's that whole sequence where Nicholson says um. What is that thing where Nicholson says... That, and the, the other reason the movie's difficult to take seriously now is because it has Tom Cruise. Any movie starring Tom Cruise is now... There's an extra layer of suspending your disbelief that you have to get through. It's tainted. Yeah, it's totally. You have to push yourself a little further away we, from the movie. Are we still guessing the speeches? No, it's A Few Good Men.
2: Oh, okay, I thought. Oh, Which yeah. Which is a
1: great movie. Don't get me wrong. It's a great movie. But due to forces beyond Aaron Sorkin's control, the movie has just become sort of tainted. Like, you just can't use anything from that. You know what I mean? And there is that great moment where Nicholson... Nicholson says Scotty play it it's only 2 minutes yeah I'll get right on that it. only <laughs> it's only 120 seconds of airtime um that great sequence where Nicholson says you know and I don't give a damn the blah 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 sleep under the blanket of protection that I provide blah 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 you know and it's just and the other problem with that movie is the casting of Jack Nicholson who really over the last 15 years has gone from one being our premier actress to just being just the most uninteresting derivative hack of an actor I mean, I think Batman ruined that guy. Batman just completely broke his ability to act. I don't think, it, with, the, with the exception of About Schmidt, I don't think Jack Nicholson ever did another good movie after Batman. I think he did Batman, which itself was pretty terrible, and then after that, man...
2: What he, about As Good As It Gets?
1: Maybe. I don't think so. I
2: I just can't watch it because of that brutal beating scene.
1: I, I think the deal with As Good As It Gets is it's more of Jack Nicholson just being an old curmudgeonly womanizing guy, which is kind of everything he has done since Batman. I mean, I can't think of anything. I, I thought
2: Schmidt was a good movie I'm just though. saying,
1: that's the exception, though. To me, that's the exception that proves the rule. Is that the, everything Jack Nicholson has done since Batman has just been shades of the Joker. I know, I'm like way off subject. I'm like 11 minutes into the show and I'm still talking about a few good men. Anyway, so thanks to Scotty for the School of Rock opener there. Um Lisa Goddard going to be joining us today. We will talk to Lisa Goddard about the happenings overseas and here. Uh, we'll talk to CNN radio correspondent James Rupp as CNN actually has just waded right into the fray with this. It just says here, the Britney Spears downward spiral continues. So whoever wrote the CNN radio prep sheet is clearly one of our people. They're on the, uh, they're on the same page with us. So uh, Jim Roop is going to talk about uh, Britney Spears having to turn over her kids. And I did we ever figure out yesterday whether she handed? I am still reading conflicting reports about whether she handed the kids over yesterday.
3: Did she? Army did Levin even admitted it last night on Larry King? Is that and is that her lawyer? No, that's the guy. That's the guy that runs TMZ. And, oh, all right. And he was speaking of X17, saying that he thought that was correct. Now I did go back to X17
1: last night because I'm a loser. Uh, and. I saw that they had posted additional photographs because our thing yesterday was that all the photographs of Britney Spears were just of her in the car that none of them showed the kids. So I went back last night and I looked at X17 and there were additional photographs clearly from the same from the same time frame that did show the kids and that did show uh, her and the kids in the same shot. So I mean those were I don't know why they didn't put those up earlier and then actually uh, X17 has posted um, a whole video clip of them stalking Britney all the way through the Carl's Jr. drive-through, which is really, it, it does sort of, kind of weird you out about how plugged in the paparazzi is to everything, because, and look, I'm not going to pretend to be more sophisticated than I am. Yes, I spent large sections of my night last night watching paparazzi videos online. So I went to X-17 last night, and there's this video posted where they're following Britney in traffic, uh, and then they follow her right into the Carl's Jr. drive-thru. And it's clearly not fake. It's obviously the real deal. They follow Brittany right into the Carl's Jr. drive-thru. And then somehow, they must just pay everybody off. Because at some point, the angle of the camera switches. And they are then filming. Because Brittany's at the Carl's Jr. drive-thru. This is this whole program in a nutshell. My wife didn't believe me yesterday when, when I told her that we spent like three hours talking about the Britney story and that we considered it one of the most significant news de- developments of the month. Um, this is the show. But at one point, the X-17 guys are stalking Britney yesterday, and then when she goes through the Carl's Jr. through, there's a jump in the film. There's an edit... And then suddenly, the camera is inside the drive through like, with the person working the window, looking out the window at Brittany in her car. So the X-17, guy it's totally weird, but it's obviously real. It's clearly Brittany. It's clearly uh, not a fake video. So, the X 17 guys must have just gone into the Carl's Jr. and just waved a bunch of money around and said, Hey, can we stand next to your window person while she serves Britney Spears? So, there's the woman handing Britney her, you know, whatever, her food and her drink. And the X 17 guy is right next to the window person filming at the window at Britney. Uh, then they stalk her all the way to drop off the kids. And then they stalk her all the way to a friend's house. And then, really, the money shots, so to speak, of the entire thing is this. When Britney gets done dropping off the kids. She drives over to a friend's house, gets out of the car, and goes inside. And she gets up, and there is a huge wet mark on her ass. There's, like on this dress thing that she's wearing, there's just a huge wet stain on the ass of her clothing. In the pictures? In the, in the video. Go to X17 online. All
2: right, I'm here, but...
1: Watch the very end of the video when she walks in the door of her friend's house.
2: Uh, you might want to keep it potted down.
1: Yeah. Um it will look it at, could be an ice cube that fall out of her drink. Uh-huh. Watch for the watch for the big wet stain on the ass of her clothing.
2: That's really gross. I'm yeah. going to have to buffer for a
1: bit. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's all kinds of disturbing. Anyway, we'll talk to uh, Jim Roop about that. Peter Carlin will join us later on in the program. He did write a great uh, column yesterday about television targeted towards men. Uh, so we'll talk to Peter Carlin. We have uh, today's top five. We, we will get to that without fail because it's going to be dated soon because it's a uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame oriented. Uh, we'll talk about uh, stories not quite bad enough to be the worst story ever, a rock milestone to make everyone feel aged and decrepit, and we'll have this story. It's about... The worst mother in the history of the world. Contest over. Winner announced. Uh, So Mm. we'll get to that. Uh, What else? Well, that's it. Uh, We're joined today as Are We Always by the lovely and talented Sarah X and why? Hello.
2: Hello. How are you? I had really weird dreams last night. I was just remembering it when I got to work today. I dreamt that Dennis Miller was giving me a haircut. I was at a salon. Really? And then Dennis Miller gave me a haircut, and he tried to put, like, extensions in my bangs or something. And then I went to the front desk to pay, and they were asking me who cut my hair, and I'm like, well, Dennis Dennis Miller Miller. cut my hair. (laughs) And then they were really rude, and uh, they wouldn't talk to me, and then I... I guess I lived in there. I don't know. Because you let I, a
1: Republican cut No, your hair. And, then,
2: and then it turned out it was like in my apartment and I lived in some crazy place.
1: Alright, seriously, if we ever bring Dennis Miller to town, if Dennis ever comes here, I'm totally going to have him cut your hair. Just so we can have like a little universe folding in on itself. It moment.
2: was so weird because it was him and it didn't even faze me. It's just one of those weird dream things. And I had a radio dream last night where I was getting my hair cut by Dennis Miller, but it kept taking so long and I was looking at the clock. I'm like, oh my God, oh, it's 10.30. Stop, that's
3: like,
1: almost
2: done. I'm like, I'm really late. What's going on? And I kept trying to call nine seventy and nobody was answering yeah. and then somebody finally told me that Scotty J was going to do it and then <laughs> Dennis Miller kept cutting my hair and then it was like I looked at my watch the and it was the thing I've ever heard and every clock I would look at was a different time and I couldn't figure out what time it was and every time I'd look it would be like you know, like 11.41 I'm like oh my god I've yeah. been 41
1: minutes of the show that's fantastic and Wonderful. Like Dennis Miller and Dennis it. Miller cutting, cutting your hair can't get to the studio Scotty's about to start running the show I've had those um I've had those dreams where um, I'm late for work and I can't get out of the house the door just won't open like I'm at work or I'm at home and it's you know whatever 10:55 and I'm like oh I got to be working work in 5 minutes and I go to the front door of my house and the door just won't open it's not locked there's no keys in it the door the knob turns it just the door won't open it's like it's super glued shut I get those all the time. Yeah. Those are the ones where the phone lines are ringing, but I can't answer them. I still get dreams every now and again. I will still get a dream about having, the way they used to do it, kids, uh, having two turntables in the studio, you know, and you had a record on one and you were queuing up the other, uh, like the uh, DJs do now. And I used to have these dreams all the time, and I will still get this every now and again, where... The, the the vinyl record the song that is playing on turntable one is about over and I can't get the song on turntable 2 to queue up correctly like I can't like the needle is broken somehow or i can't get the record it won't fit over the little pin in the middle mm-hmm. I'll have those dreams where I'm trying to queue up some vinyl and it just it won't work at all yeah, yeah those see, I always have nervous.
2: dreams with these computers right here where I'm looking at them and I can't get anything like everything just comes up red yeah, and yeah. I can't get anything to log to load in
1: I sometimes have a dream where I'm here and I'm trying to give out the phone number but I've forgotten it and and I look down at the sheet where it has the phone number and I can't read it. And it's just like weird hieroglyphs. Like huh. I'm trying to give out the phone number so people can call. I'm like, our phone number is, and it's just like a bunch of swirling. And I can't, I can't read what it is. That's just not right. Hello, Tim Riley. Oh, I'm just wondering
3: what, what's going on here. Do you have these dreams as well? I don't. You, you don't, don't have, have any radio, radio games? You don't have recurring radio not dreams? Not anymore, because I, just, I I used to have them as a job. you quit caring. Your spirit is broken. <laughs> well, isn't that, I, I don't really push buttons, and that's where the panic ensues? That you are running something? Yeah. So if Sarah that's what, yeah. runs things, I would assume that she has more bad dreams, because she's in charge. I have this bank of three buttons, so I'm really not responsible for much.
1: You don't have dreams where you're trying to print out a story, and it's just, you keep printing it, and it won't appear on the printer? No. Hit keep hitting the print icon, and it just won't spit it out? I did back in my younger days. All right. Yeah, I'm glad to see you have moved on. I hope to get to that point someday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Riley's working on the following stories for your edification today.
3: There's a prize pregnant pachyderm at the Oregon Zoo. The blessed event will occur next year. A Myrtle Creek man plunges to his death, trying to retrieve a deer he just shot. He's got revenge for killing his creatures. There was credit commotion at the Beverly Hills Hotel after Brittany checked in, turning over kids to Cape Ed's people at Carl Jr. <laughs> Uh, the Geico Caveman sitcom premieres tonight. Fred Goldman may have O.J.'s Rolex, says the judge. That's so great. But can you see just Fred Goldman holding O.J. down with pliers, trying to pull the gold out of his teeth <laughs> I
1: and really putting can. his body in the crematorium? <laughs>
3: I really can't. But I mean, how great
1: is that? That I mean, that sort of sums the whole thing up. That it's like they're taking all of—they took O.J.'s book, they're taking all his money, they're garnishing his wages, they melted down his Heisman trophy. And now the judge is literally issuing one court order at a time to take away his tiniest possessions. Uh-huh. And here's a whole separate court order just to take away your watch. Here's, a, here's one for your pants. Here's a court order to take away that box of Q-tips you've got in your medicine cabinet. That's wonderful.
3: I love that whole story. Is that it?
1: Well, yes, that's enough. That's I think
3: that's more than enough. All right. So that's
1: all uh, coming up, uh, plus your phone calls, et cetera. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Hey,
4: this is Steve from the Coup. What's up? Hey, I was just going to let you know, I thought uh, Jack Nicholson was pretty
1: pimp in The Departed. See, and I I know that everybody sort yeah. of thinks that but me. I know I'm, I'm the exception. Yeah, ex- because you're
2: the only one. You keep repeating that. We're never going to. I can't separate it from The Joker. He didn't seem like The Joker in that movie. It's
1: not that, he, it's not that he seemed like The Joker. I'm not saying he acted like The Joker in The Departed. I'm just saying that... Jack Nicholson's persona has become so uh, well-established, and so... Jack Nicholson has become sort of like Christopher Walken to me, where the Jack Nicholson persona, like the Christopher Walken persona, has become, has become so brightly drawn that it's hard to see past that to any actual acting that's going on. That's all I'm saying.
5: So, well, I can see that kind of part, that kind of point. Yeah,
1: I'm not saying he did a bad job as such. I'm just saying he has become such an exaggerated version of himself that it's hard for me to see past all of that to, to whatever sort of actual ability is happening. That I can service. agree with. Yeah. I, I can agree with that. Yeah.
6: All right. All right Thank man.
1: you, sir. All right. I appreciate it. There you go. Although, even, even I mean, look, even the movie where it's the most difficult to get past Jack Nicholson's persona to see the acting, even that's not as difficult as trying to go back and watch The Naked Gun starring O.J. Simpson. That really is, that's a movie that one can just never watch again. I love The Zuckers, but I mean, really, honestly, that's, you just have to take that out of your Netflix queue permanently. There's That's a DVD you'll not be popping in again. And, not only that, Naked Gun has not only, um... Naked Gun 33 and a third not only has O.J. Simpson, but it has Anna Nicole Smith. So it's doubly weird.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So it's like, it's it's 300% more awkward than normal. Uh, All right. Well, and then, I, I don't even know what this is about, but Sarah used the greatest phrase this morning. She said, I watched this great movie last night. It's a FearNet exclusive with pink in it. And then, was, and then you went on to say that it was bad. It
2: had it? one of the most annoying characters I've ever had. By. The concept of it was brilliant, though. It was laid out to, uh, to be a successful movie. didn't turn out to be so much. But um you have to cough. Excuse me. All right. And it's based on the premise... Of um, in France, they moved people out of the graveyards when, like the, um, they didn't have places to bury people anymore. So right. they, the cemeteries were filling up. They didn't have any place to put the bodies. So they dug up all seven million bodies, and they put them all in these underground mine shafts under the city. So um, this, it, this movie was called. Um, I told you the name of it. Catacombs. The Catacombs. And so, you know, all these hip, crazy kids would go and have parties in the catacombs, but they'd move it around every time, you know, so the police couldn't come and shut it down. Of course, it was a rave party with, like, girls with their boobs flailing around, and, like, techno music, and, like, skulls painted on their faces. You know
1: it's a bad movie because it stars a celebrity, yet no one's ever heard of
2: it. Well, exactly, because it stars Alicia Moore. That nobody knows. That's Pink. Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, they don't even so say. Didn't, they didn't
1: even want her. They didn't even want the name by which she was known. Alan Smithy as Pink.
2: No, and as uh, Shannon Sauce, Sossaman. she's a she's a pretty actress. She was in um, The Rules of Attraction. Uh huh. And, and so she flies to Paris to meet her wild and crazy, funky sister, Pink. Who's in this underground cult where they go and you know party in these catacombs? Yeah,
1: I'm amazed. This movie's bad.
2: No, but it's pretty cool though because I think they filmed it there, and um, it turns out like these catacombs, like sound doesn't travel, and she gets lost down there in this tunnel Uh and can't find like the police raid. She she gets knocked out, Um, so she wakes up and everyone's gone. She's wandering in these catacombs. There's this crazy thing chasing her. It's pretty creepy.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to see that.
2: Yeah, it was pretty bad, but pink died.
1: <laughs> okay, the end. There you go.
2: And a uh, pretty gnarly way, too.
1: Let's see. I've just got a couple of these brief emails we'll read here. Rick. Uh, welcome home. As I was listening to the podcast, you brought up John Krakauer's *Under the Banner of Heaven*. I'm currently reading it. I am incredibly disturbed by this book. Thanks so much. FYI, I work in the ceramic tile and stone business, and one of our customers is Watson Lafferty Jr., uh, who's one of the polygamists discussed in the book. Uh, he has, a, or he's related to, he has a business in Tigard. He also talks to our bookkeeper uh, at long lengths about his brothers. He, he's a brother. Uh, he said, "I also have a sister who lives in Saint George. During visits, I hear stories of the polygamists shopping at Walmart." Uh, no, polygamists love walmart really walmart and costco especially those huge walmart supercenter things uh rick i heard you talking about the breakfast club john hughes wrote that script in two days july 4th and 5th of 1982 he got the title the breakfast club from bobby richter who was the son of a friend hughes asked the kid what detention was called at his illinois high school the kid said it was referred to as the breakfast club hence the title of the film all right right. there you go mystery solved um finally i'm just going to read this Read this, and then we'll take a break. We got Lisa Goddard coming up, and so forth. This is from, um, let's see, where is this from? Schenectady. Really? That's so great. I love stories in places that we typically only refer to comedically, like Kalamazoo. This is from Schenectady, uh, from the Times Union. This falls under the heading of "Worst Mother Ever" by Paul Nelson. You know what? <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't I? Got to keep it together. <clears throat> in one one officer called one of the most despicable things he's ever seen there's no words for how bad this is and i don't think it's bad in any sort of vile or off-putting sense i mean it's not explicit in any way It just it just sort of staggers the imagination This story it's almost like the mom sat down with some kind of excel spreadsheet and a slide rule trying to figure out exactly how she could be the worst person on earth. Like there was some sort of a a medal or something, like she got a tote bag if she was able to, to win that. In what one officer called one of the most despicable things he's ever seen, a Saratoga County woman is accused of prostituting herself And then snorting cocaine off the stomach of her newborn son while breastfeeding him. I mean, really, where does one even begin with that? That really is just... That sort of everything, everything all at once there. Just every layer of horrible you can possibly imagine. I'll read that again. Accused of prostituting herself and then snorting cocaine off the stomach of her newborn son while breastfeeding him. Oh, and she had two other children in the back of the car watching. Both children are now staying with relatives, who I'm sure are infinitely more stable than the mother. I'm sure they're much different. Families usually work that way. Jesus, God. All right, and finally this. We'll read this, then we'll take a break. It's from the Philadelphia Inquirer. Uh, now this is this is kind of a, this is another one of those stories that we sometimes get about a magician slash clown who I think was arrested for taking indecent photographs of a child somewhere. But that's not really the reason we're reading this. Does this remind you of any magician we know? In a 2002 interview with the Inquirer, Jeffrey Leach, who's under suspicion for taking explicit photographs of children described himself as an ordinary guy who does extraordinary things in his career as clown slash magician but recounted misfortunes he had endured while pursuing his career in 1995, lightning struck him during an indoor, uh, sorry, an outdoor performance. Also, he needed surgery after a unicycle accident which impaled his groin. He once temporarily blinded himself with clown makeup and suffered hernia, uh, a hernia during a trick in which he was strapped with heavy chains which he could not then lift. There you go. There's a real life Joe Blue point. All right. We'll take a break after this. We've got those out of the way. Take a break. Lisa Goddard around the corner. Coming up at noon, Tim Riley, Peter Carlin, Jim Roop, the top five, and Brittany. News. stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Brook. exactly what that movie with Pink is, too. That's one of those things that her manager comes to her with. and says, hey, how would you like to earn 50 grand? Now, no one will ever see this. This is a movie that only three people will ever watch, and you'll make, like, 50
2: large for it right now. Just sign on
1: the dotted line. That is
2: her. Yeah, that's... she's not in it very much
1: at all. No, of course not. She filmed all of her stuff in a day and a half. And they had already either done the rest of the movie before she even got there, or they just did the rest of it without her.
2: Oh, it was so bad, and, like, all she would, like... Oliver dialogue was just profanity laced uh-huh. and edgy. because yeah, she's but, pink. Well, and she would just say it in such a lackluster way. She was of course, just really monotone. Because she
1: learned the lines 30 seconds before they started rolling the camera, or, or they were just written on huge cue cards, like right out of the line of the camera. You know that all the. And, and here's the other thing. Where was the movie set?
2: in France in that's, the,
1: that's the other thing that's the reason they set it there because if you want a celebrity or somebody to do a film it's a well known trick in Hollywood that you just take a movie that was originally supposed to be set in like Cleveland and you just set it in Tahiti why? everybody wants to go to Tahiti for two weeks why not? And so, you know, it doesn't cost the studio anything. They just trade all that crap out. They get to, you know, everybody booking and lodging in plane flights to Tahiti. And it's a lot easier to get somebody to go to Tahiti for two weeks to film some crap movie than to get them to go to, you know, Akron, Ohio or something. Mm-hmm. See also Dennis Miller in Bordello of Blood. I mean, if you you hear, and I'm not spilling secrets, here, you hear Dennis Miller talk about being in Bordello of Blood, I'm pretty sure that was the movie he described as, I forget who else is in Bordello of Blood. It might have actually been something else. It might have been... Because Dennis's role for the longest time in movies, I don't think he acts much anymore. But Dennis was Miller, Dennis Miller's role for the longest time, like in the net with Sandra Bullock, his role was to be the best friend who got killed at some point. That's the whole point of I Dennis really Miller being an. I relationship in that movie. He's the best
2: friend that she. But they slept together, though, right? I'm not sure. I thought, see, I thought they might have had some kind of history there.
1: Maybe, but see, I think he himself has described it as in every Dennis Miller movie, all through the '90s, the deal was. His character was the guy who the main character would sit down and explain the entire movie to for anybody who came in late, and then he would be killed. So he would sit on the edge of the bed next to Sandra Bullock, and he'd go, So what you're saying is that there's a government conspiracy involving a computer virus to take over the world, and you're the only woman who can stop it. That's what you're saying, and so now there's an international cabal of computer hackers trying to kill you before you can bring this to the attention of the government, and no one believes you. That's fascinating. Hey, hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna go inspect that suspicious noise outside, and then he would go and somebody would chop off his head. Every Dennis Miller role in every movie he did in the '90s, except for Bordello of Blood, which was, you know, like starring Dennis Miller. And he describes working on the set of Bordello of Blood with, like, whoever, some up-and-coming actor, some young buck who was there on the set with him. And he describes this great moment. I can't tell the story as well as Dennis does. He describes this great moment, though, of being in some scene with a guy on the set of Bordello of Blood and having this, like, strange realization that the other actor was, like, really into it, was, like, giving giving it his all, like, really pouring his artistic soul into his part in Bordello of Blood. And as Dennis put it, he's like... He's like, I'm just there on like a cash run, and like I realize I'm on the set with some guy who really means it. He's like, that's what I knew I had to give up acting. So, anyway, so there you go. So that's the deal with Pink.
2: (laughs) Is that she was told she I'm going to try and find a a censored clip of that movie. Is it it on
1: Wikipedia? Is there any description on Wikipedia? Oh, I don't know. I I will investigate. Yeah, that's the deal. Would you like to earn 50 grand for two days' work in Paris? No one will ever see the outcome. Let's welcome down to the Rick Henry's. From the Hill! CNN Radio correspondent of the stars, Lisa Goddard. Hello there.
6: Hey. So was Dennis Miller killed in Murder at Sixteen Hundred?
1: Yeah, I think he was actually. Was well,
6: he? I couldn't. I couldn't I thought maybe he survived in that one.
1: I. You know, I couldn't tell you to be honest. Murder at Sixteen Hundred was that. Uh, was that the Clint Eastwood movie?
6: Murder at 1600 uh, was the one actually uh, that had, I, I thought it was uh, oh, Wesley Snipes, that's who it is.
1: Wesley Snipes.
6: I, one, I, no. And he's, he, he's like the only guy that figures it out, and then the Secret Service is chasing him around. Well, and he's see, now DC I cop. don't know.
1: Now now I'm completely unsure. Now I don't even know if I've seen that movie.
6: Yeah, he's, he's, he's a DC cop, and I think also, who is the woman that's in it? Uh, Must Love Dog, Diane Lane. Was also in that movie. That's so
1: sad that you got to that conclusion through the back door of Must Love Dogs know, with that? John Cusack.
6: Which actually, I have not seen that movie because everyone uh-huh. who has has told me too depressing.
1: I thought it was like a genetic imperative that if you're a woman, you had to see every no, John Cusack no, film I'm that sure came out.
6: Sure that stuff. No, yeah, it wasn't no. very good.
1: Uh, well, but see, you saw it though, Sarah. Did no, see it.
6: I saw.
2: It, I, I saw like part of it at somebody's house. I didn't seek out to see it. They're all defensive there. about it. I didn't watch
1: Must Love Dogs. Um, <laughs> speaking of Wesley Snipes, whatever happened to that guy? I mean, I know that he—he he, the man hit him for evading taxes or That's something.
6: That's right, he, he's in trouble with the law. He, he still is out and about uh, shooting stuff. I can try and do a quick uh, IMDb. I guess it's not
1: really that crucial. I—I'm just, you know, Wesley Snipes really was. People can laugh at this. He's—he's he's a really great actor. A guy who did a lot of movies that. Uh, either don't get the respect that they ought to, except in the geek world, the most notable of which is Demolition Man, by the way. Mm -hmm. Wesley Snipes did Demolition Man, which is one of the best action films ever made. I mean, and people can laugh at that because it's got a weird cast. It's got Wesley Snipes, Sandra Bullock, and Sylvester Stallone. But Demolition Man, if you have not, have you seen Demolition Man? I have not seen oh, man. No, you, you. I've seen all the the
6: Blade movies. I've you uh,
1: see, Blade made. I the first Blade is decent. The rest are crap. Demolition Man and the geeks will. They'll have my back on this. Demolition Man is a fantastic film. Um, it sort of. It, it, it has a sense of humor without uh, without being putting I mean, it it sort of winks at oh, the wait,
6: audience. Is that the one with Sylvester Stallone?
1: Sylvester Stallone is I a cop that they wake that. up. I've
6: seen that. Yeah, yes, Where, where Taco that.
1: Bell is the only restaurant left on earth after the fast food wars of like twenty thousand, <laughs> yes. you know, or whatever. Um, yes. Yes. And it has it has Wesley Snipes in the, like the greatest line of his career. I to scratch that because everybody knows what I'm thinking of, the second best line of Wesley (laughs) Snipes' career. I'll give you the best here in a second. The second best line of Wesley Snipes' film career is when Wesley Snipes, as Simon whatever his name is, he is in a, in the future, they have stopped killing people. They just, if you are a convicted criminal on death row, they just put you in cryo sleep. You know, they just freeze right. you. That's right. But, but, of course, really, the only reason you would ever freeze someone is so that they can be thawed out by a master criminal, right? <laughs> so there's Wesley Snipes, and he's going through the electronic manifest of all of the criminals who have been put in cryo sleep by the government. And that's the best line where Wesley Snipes is going through. And he goes, Jeffrey Dahmer? I love that guy, which is fantastic. I mean, you'll never hear that again. No one has ever said that but him in that movie. Best line of Wesley Snipes' career, Lisa, go.
6: I I'm, I've got nothing. I got
1: oh. nothing. All right. Well, you know what? We're gonna have a listener call up. I'm just call, I'm putting out the call right now. Somebody will call up and they will know the best line of Wesley Snipes' film career. I don't have to give a hint. I don't have to tip my cards. I don't have to do anything. Someone will call right now, and they will know. So it's five zero three.
6: Was it from Two Wong Fu? <laughs> no. From from Julie Newmar. What's that? Hold. Tu Wong Fu Wong, th- for everything.
1: Thanks for uh, Tu Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Julie
6: Newmar. Yes. In which his character's name—I don't remember the last name—but Noxzema. Uh,
1: can you uh, can you name the other two male stars of that film?
6: Oh well, well, I can give you one. Who is the other? Uh, uh, Patrick Swayze, of course.
1: And you're missing the most talented of the three. I know.
6: I know. It's jo- John. Uh,
1: John Leguizamo.
6: Thank you very one much. One
1: of John Leguizamo, who is. Uh, I won't say he's a hero, but that's a guy that, man, he just, uh, that guy's got more talent in just his his shedded skin flakes uh, <laughs> than I have in my entire body. I really love that guy. Um All right.
6: So, wait, wait, so by the way, it turns out, apparently, Gallo Walker, uh, a completed film from Wesley Snipes, I don't know if that's been out. doesn't look like it's out yet. That's what he was filming when he got in trouble with the man. Okay in Africa, so I look
1: at this. I I look down the delay we 're on a forty second delay, so of course, as soon as I say something, it takes forty seconds for the audience to hear it uh, about forty nine seconds ago, I gave the call for somebody <laughs> to call about whistle Every phone line is now lit, every single line, every phone line, guys know what it is, and you know what hey scotty we 're going to go through these we 're going to go through these one at a time now we 'll just take calls one through four here with Lisa don't hang up even if the person before you has it right. I'm going to show that, I'll guarantee you, every single one of these callers has the same answer. So I'm going to go through all all four of these, so don't hang up. We'll take all four of them just to prove that everybody has this. All right, hello, line number one, greatest Wesley Snipes line ever. Always bet on black. Thank you, sir. Uh, Line number two, greatest Wesley Snipes line ever. Passenger 57, bet on black. Thank you, sir. Caller three, greatest Wesley Snipes line ever. Always bet on black. And finally... Caller number four, greatest Wesley Snipes line ever.
4: (laughs) Always bet on Black. Thank thank you, my friend.
6: Are you kidding?
1: That's what I'm talking about.
6: Nice. That's That's
1: hilarious. That's what you call call hitting the demographic squarely where it lives. (laughs) That is Passenger 57, which was, uh, as very famously discussed at the time, was pitched to the studios as Die Hard on a Plane. Um, And it was Wesley Snipes as the Bruce Willis, John McClane character. And there is that, he's having the discussion, and he's saying, do you play roulette? And the other, you know, the bad guy's, yes. He goes, always bet on black. And then he, like, hangs up the phone and proceeds to kick ass. It's fantastic. So, all right. Um. Well, I hate to talk, I hate to move this from Wesley Snipes to actual news. No. Um, but I, and I'm not going to make the always bet on black water uh, joke. But I will say this. That, so, let me just, I, I, first of all, Please to explain now, because I really am just kind of dumb about this stuff. Okay. This company, Blackwater, that you Mm. hear about so much in Iraq, first of all, I'm just going to say what everybody's thinking, which is Blackwater is an evil-sounding company to begin with. I mean, can't you see, like, a whole lot of... sort of like a, Mr. Bond, I will be taking you to Blackwater Island. (laughs) I mean...
6: Not what you want to drink, Blackwater. If
1: you were going to, uh, you know, to some sort of holding facility called Blackwater, I mean, you'd be terrified. So, who is... This company, what what do they do?
6: Uh, they're they're run by a man who uh, has uh, mechanical limbs. No, I. It, it's, <laughs> it's like Blackwater is that it's a company that their base, I believe, is in North Carolina. And essentially, what they do is they recruit people who have extensive military experience and are no longer serving, about to retire, or finishing up their tour uh, if they're in the reserves. What you know, whatever it may be, they recruit them to become security personnel. You know, in you know, the, what, what makes them—they're they're not mercenaries because they're not. Their goal is not to attack. It's not offensive. This is what they say. Their goal is to protect whatever package, as they like to say, uh, on 24 and also in, at Blackwater. But their goal is to protect whatever whatever their property or person is that they've been contracted to protect. So they are—they are not a warring force, but they're a defensive force. They say, however being a defensive force that is American in Iraq, uh, because the rules of engagement there are hazy at best, or have been at least, the actual ones, not the literal rules of engagement, uh, has allowed Blackwater and, I think, the American military, too, to have have some very blurry lines. And this has led to uh, a report that we got just in the last couple of days that indicates Blackwater, for example, in over, they looked at over 200 shooting incidents that Blackwater was involved in. Blackwater shot first 80% of the time, even though they're a defensive security so
1: unit. Who do these guys answer to? I mean, do they answer directly to the military or
6: no? They have a their their. They they do have some contracts for the military. They have some specific jobs they do for the military. But uh, the, their largest contract in Iraq, or one of their largest, is for the State Department. And they escort diplomatic convoys, uh, State Department personnel around Iraq, and, and protect those personnel. Uh, so they answer to the State Department. So now the State Department, as, as contractors, they, they are not... Uh, permanently employed by the State Department, but they have a contract with the State Department. And the State Department has initiated an investigation and called in the FBI now because of this incident just a couple weeks ago last month in Baghdad in which 11 Iraqis were killed. Iraqis on the scene say that it was unprovoked. Blackwater says they were being shot at. Uh, you know, video that CNN has shows uh, just shell casings, you know, Riddling the the ground there, uh, burning vehicles, that kind of thing, and you know, so obviously it was a very intense uh, gunfight. If it was a gunfight, it was at least a very intense shootout, and and that is what the, the incident is that has sparked all of these questions now about Blackwater because the Iraqi Parliament is is, is not able apparently to. Uh, try anyone who was involved in that because of a loophole in Iraqi law. So now the Iraqi parliament is trying to take action to change that and to make it tougher for these private security firms, especially Blackwater, to operate in Iraq.
1: It's funny. I, I have a, uh, you know, I live in, in, in Portland where there's a lot of, uh, the political polarization is really at an extreme here. And you do hear phrases, I mean, it's, Halliburton what for a long time was just sort of a, I want to say a code word, but Halliburton people would just say that word as sort of a shorthand summation of all that they felt was wrong and, and mm. corrupt about this war. And I actually started to hear people use the, the word Blackwater to describe that recently too. There is just this sense there is just this sense of just implicit cronyism uh, in a lot of this.
6: Well, you know, you think about what these guys are doing, and the fact that I think this question of who they answer to is the number one question. That's what Congressmen were looking at today. But you know, they did have many supporters today, and it, there was a hearing, obviously. Uh, many supporters who stood up and said, "Look, these guys have protected our diplomats. Not a single diplomat under their care has been killed, and these these guys are good at what they do. They take risks and they they do it for money, but they're they're very good and they're willing to do this job." You know, but others say these guys are cowboys. They don't answer to anyone, and they they hurt America because they are, you know, they act before they think. Sometimes is the accusation. And, and that, that just further pushes away. Uh, any Iraqis who may trust America. And in some cases, some incidents that Blackwater employees have been involved in were initially put out in the press in Iraq as involving U.S. soldiers. Right. So, you know, Iraqis aren't going to know the difference. They know an American much more clearly sometimes than they would know an employee of Blackwater. Yeah,
1: a guy pointing a gun at you is a guy pointing a gun at you. So. That's
6: right, especially if you're an Iraqi. I mean, the, the statistics are just alarming there. The, the number of people who have been killed, a report coming out now saying maybe a million Iraqis have died because in, in because of the uh, related violence. And it doesn't even seem,
1: I'm obviously not questioning, but it doesn't even seem possible. I mean, your brain, uh, and I'm clearly, I mean, very clearly, let me state that I'm obviously not trying to minimize, uh, you know, American losses, but it really does stagger you when your brain tries to wrap around the fact that there may be a million Iraqis dead. Uh, it
6: incredible. Know. And no, who knows? We're never going to know for sure. I mean, that may be overestimated. It might be underestimated. We just don't uh, even
1: if it. you're overestimating, even if that's a, even if you doubled yeah. it. I mean, I uh, right. it's unfathomable. I it's amazing. Really, it's, I, yeah, I can't even I can't even get my brain around it. Um, speaking of, of
6: that, of course, sectarian violence, but still
1: as, as sort of an ancillary uh, issue here. Is it um, do we have the first debate coming up that Fred Thompson is going to be a part of?
6: Oh, we should do. Let me see if I can find out about that. I think it,
1: I don't know when that is, but I did, I heard tell, as they say, that, uh, that there's gonna be a debate coming up in which Fred Thompson... up, I
6: know, out. let me check and see. I haven't, I, I have to admit, I've taken about a two week break from, uh, the race to 08, as we say. Whereas usually every day I do check all of the political. Blogs Let me tell you,
1: just to... I am so excited about the race to 08 that just in celebration and to gear myself up mentally for it, to gird myself, I've begun watching the uh, the West Wing from the very beginning on oh. DVD just to kind of get myself, you know, sort of a rolling start. You know what I mean?
6: That's fantastic.
1: Hey, um, while you're looking, I thought I'd share this final note with you today. This yeah. is from the Times of India. You may have already heard this. Did you hear that Gary Kasparov, who is the former World Chess Champion, is, is running for president of Russia?
6: Yes. 60 Minutes did a fantastic piece on him. Wasn't it 60 Minutes? Yeah. I
1: don't know. I didn't. I wasn't aware of that, but I had no... It's just one of those things where I hadn't thought about him in the longest time. Um, and then again, he just came back across the transom uh, today running for the president of Russia, which just seems like the worst job. If there's a worse job than being president of Iraq <laughs> at this point, it seems like being president of Russia it might be that. I mean, really, honestly, it's like <laughs> being president of Russia seems like... That seems like trying to becoming the landlord of a building that is currently on fire, do you know what i mean
6: well, I think you got you've got to catch up with russia today, my friend <laughs> russia, it's
1: a new russia
6: i'm telling you no seriously russia is is heavy in cash, heavy in national resources, natural resources, I guess others would say, but no, it, Russia is, is uh, trying to become a world power again. Now, what Russia doesn't have is uh, uh, necessarily an uh, altogether well-organized government that pays its military on time, and so that's an issue, but, but, but they're getting there. But this is also a country where people are very used to, and in fact kind of like, in a strange Catholic Orthodox sort of way, authoritarian rule.
1: So Russia, it's no longer the Flint, Michigan of Eurasia?
6: It it's, definitely is not, and I think. I think, in fact, I think this is a pretty serious. I think America going could be caught unaware if it if it doesn't uh, pay closer attention to Russia.
1: See, so you are immediately. You, you are the you're the Paul Revere. You are sounding the alarm right now. someday when, someday <laughs> yeah. when we're all when we're all uh, you know speaking speaking Russian, you'll be the one to say that you warned us.
6: But, well, you know, and the thing is that you know Russia you know let's let's, uh, let's 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 work with them kind of thing but but if not russia is very happy to to go back to a cold war it's us versus america at least in rhetoric if not in fact yeah, because they, they kind of miss that. I, you
1: know, they... I will say this, that I did actually think of you a lot when I was in London because I went to the Imperial War Museum. I may or may not have told you about oh, this. Oh, no, I'm kidding. I think you may have been gone when I first got back, but I went, to the, I went to the Imperial War Museum, which is just depressing on hundreds of levels. There is actually a whole floor of the Imperial War Museum simply titled Crimes Against Humanity, and I opted not to go to that floor. It was the rest of it, just going through the blitz uh, section was, was trying enough on one's emotions. But there was a whole wing... Devoted to the Cold War, uh, uh, and it was just fascinating. Just wow. uh, you know, they like a, you know they they had kind of I want to call it touristy, but touristy, but stuff like you know a piece of the Berlin Wall and whatever. But they did have a whole timeline of of you know from the Warsaw Pact and just every every timeline, the buildup, the Cold yes,
6: War. Not so smart on that one, right?
1: Explosion. It's so at some point, and this, uh, and then I know we have to go here, but I, I will say, I my wife got me to go to um to to London, but I did tell her that although I really am. I'm still not a guy who feels compelled to travel, but I did tell her that if I if I went someplace at some point, I do want to go to Russia.
6: Um, oh, you need to. Ugh.
1: At some point in I, the future, I
6: love that country. I really do.
1: I extracted a promise from her that at some point, uh, that she, if we decided to travel uh, again, that, you know, to make a major trip, uh, that she would go to Russia, et cetera, because it just I don't know why. And maybe I would get there, and the romanticism would would would. would fade and I, I would be you know i would see something totally <laughs> different but i no, I, I
6: think you would love it it depends on the time of year and where you go but uh you're stirring the embers in my heart here i, I have great affection well,
1: for that country so 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 be thinking on that because at some point not in the immediate future but at some point i may uh, i may ask you uh, right. about that I'm uh, in. Uh, hey, and then
6: right. also listen you guys need to be thinking about this i i'm off thursday and friday this week so should we be talking tomorrow that would be the last time you would be using my current last name
1: oh when is the uh, is that is, is that
6: – we're in
1: October now, aren't
6: nuptials we? Nuptials are on Saturday.
1: This coming Saturday. I this guess for some reason Saturday. I thought it was in the last weekend. of. Uh, so that is um, on the, what, the 8th? The 6th. The
6: 6th. Uh, it's probably it's probably different on the West Coast.
1: All right. So <laughs> now are you still hooked on this de- Darjeeling, Desjardins business?
6: Darjeeling, Darjeeling. It's, the, it's being processed through the D.C. system now. We're going Desjardins. But here's the, here's the offer I will make uh-huh. to you, Rick Emerson. Uh-huh. If you I, I will not I, I I've got it, I'm dropping Goddard, but uh-huh. if you guys want to pick another last name that you alone will use for me as your on air correspondent, that's great with me.
1: I can tell when we're given when we're being given a consolation prize. I can I can tell the booby <laughs> prize when it's offered to me.
6: Well, you know, I could give you no prize. I could <laughs> <laughs> listen
1: to that. Yeah, Rick Emerson. Snap. All right, well, no, fair enough. All right, well, we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll take another advice, but it, we'll see. The, the, it's all good. The people may have decided they've latched onto your new name. It, it all remains to be seen. Have you decided, it be, and we, I'll ask you this, um... <laughs> And I'll follow up on this tomorrow, but have you decided on a wedding song? Have you decided to go? You we didn't, have. You didn't choose the, the, the hideous, nobody does it better.
6: Have decided, yes. We did not choose that, and we did go, we went with the Beatles, Here Comes the Sun. All right, fair
1: enough. I have no problem with that. Rick Emerson and his audience approve of that choice.
6: Excellent. Good.
1: All right, well, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay. All right, thank Bye. you, Lisa, soon to be Lisa Jardin. <laughs> All right, there you go. I like, she throws us the sop. Well, we'd like to choose another name. Fine. All right, then.
2: Uh, Scotty has an idea for a song oh he wants God, to play to God, break. God, why?
1: I'm sorry. What's his idea? Uh, we A guy called about Wesley Snipes, and he hung up. You're lost, sir. Uh, yes?
2: Black, is... Blackwater by the Doobie Brothers. See,
0: it... <laughs>
7: I wish I knew how to quit you.
5: Oh. Please, I get be on the mouth.
7: Please let me. Good morning, Metolius.
1: Never have the crickets been more appropriate. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, our intrepid PA, Scotty J. Why, hello.
7: Well, good morning, Echo. Go. Hi. Go.
1: Sorry. Okay, yeah. that's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
7: Now... Let's get to the, the root that, of the joke. You're doing that thing again. It's exposed and where, spoiled now. Where it, it was ten, supposed to
1: be subtle. You're doing the thing that were ten minutes ago. I used a word. And no. and now, ten minutes later, you want me to play a song that no one will, will connect with the story we talked about earlier.
7: They would because a listener actually sent in the idea. Okay. And I thought it was funny because you spent ten minutes talking about black water. Therefore, if you subtly did it and didn't expose the, the joke from behind the curtain, it would have been would
1: You know, we like, should
2: have never taught him that phrase, behind the curtain. I know. Because I love now it it's an excuse. I love that It's an excuse for everything. Well, Rick, if you want to go ahead and ruin it by pulling back the curtain.
1: <laughs> it's an excuse for every bad idea. That you let's break the fourth wall, Rick. Well,
7: you know, I can just see the the wizard guy back. I, I visualize that every time where he's like,
3: oh, no, wait a second. He he can it. I just tell
7: you why I
1: resist doing things like this, Scotty? Things that I suggest? Go ahead. Well, that, well, I think we all know the answer to that. No. Can I tell you the reason why I resist playing songs which have only the vaguest threads of connection to something we did a while back? If only three people get it, Rick, that's geniusness in my book. It's
7: geniusness? Yeah, and don't make me spell it. <laughs> can you spell genius? No. Really? I can't spell it if you haven't noticed. Please just spell geniusness. G-N-I-E. What? 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 Start slow. G. I know there's a U and an I and a Guinness and oh, I like
1: that beer, by the way. But forget it. I can't spell. All right. Here's why I resist doing that. Because you know who does what? You, the thing that you keep wanting me to do? Kooky morning shows. Doctor Laura. She does not. She does. She does. Dr. Dr. Laura. Dr. Yeah. Dr. Uh, It's okay to brag on yourself. She's helped me. Dr. Laura does this thing where when she comes back from a break, she comes back with a song. And it's actually kind of impressive. And especially that she was doing it 12, 13 years ago before the digital era, before you had everything available on MP3. So I don't know how she did that. She must have had just an amazing music cataloging system. But Dr. Laura does this thing where when she goes to a break, she comes back with a song that in some uh, very explicit way references the name of the last caller, something they said, something about their dilemma. And it, it, it's it's sort of interesting, but it's, it sort of makes me cringe at the same time, and it always has. And so that's why I resist doing this thing of playing a song that uses a word that I was just using, because it, it makes me feel like Dr. Laura.
7: Well, see, we were different than Dr. Laura, because we go into a break... Right? Are you, are you following me on this? Yes. It's, it's a world it's, of difference. It's way different because we're not coming back. We're actually going in. And so we're playing music from the same exact topic you just got through talking about 10 minutes ago. And, you know, if other DJs out there want to use this technique, feel free to do that.
1: All right. Hold on. You'll forgive me for just a second while I hit my head on the counter. All right. Okay. Let's go ahead and play that into the break, Sarah. Here's the Doobie Brothers. You're taking a ride on that old Blackwater. That's right. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Tim Riley's coming up with your news. And later on, Jim Roop. Don't you go anywhere. We'll be back on A-Blood Solid Solid State radio. keeps
8: the Blackwater.
1: Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970 at the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM nine seventy
3: Solid State Radio. And now from the Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. An elephant is pregnant at the Oregon Zoo. There'll be a new addition there within the next year. The zoo has just announced that its thirteen-year-old Asian elephant Rose Two is ten months pregnant. The gestation period is up to 22 months. The father is Tusco, a 36-year-old elephant who was brought to the zoo two years ago specifically to breed. <laughs> really? Yes. Okay. Hopefully behind closed doors. Rose, too, is a popular elephant within the herd, and her keeper uh, is always looking to tease her herd mates and uh, shares a strong relationship with Chandra, who is very close to her age. Rose too, is the second smallest elephant in the herd, weighing nearly 7,000 pounds. An endangered species, these Asian elephants are represented by an estimated 38,000 to 51,000 individuals living in populations in the wild. Did you lose interest already?
1: No, I, uh, well, I was just. It's a pregnant elephant. You were talking about. Packy Rose, and then I started, I got sidetracked by thinking about that baby that we that we named. Didn't we name a baby Packy Rose? Oh, yeah, a long time ago. I don't, I don't know what happened to that. I don't know. There was some child abandoned. I don't even remember what the story was with that kid now. There was some kid abandoned at the zoo or something. Yeah. And we just decided that it was going to be called Packy from now on. So I started thinking about where is little Packy now? All right, there you go. See the extent of my uh, my mental side, side path.
3: Uh, the cops in the coup were looking for some guy who tried to abduct a little girl. Luckily, her brother came up and lunged at the guy as he tried to grab the girl and punched him in the nose, apparently. The well suspect done. is a Hispanic male, around 45 to 50, 5 foot ten inches tall, black hair, and wrinkled skin. He's described as dirty. <laughs> Excellent.
1: Uh, did you see the name of the kid, by the way? I didn't see the kid's name. No. The, uh, the name of the kid is Stardog. Seriously, yeah, uh, that wasn't that wasn't reported that story. But apparently, the kid's name I don't know if the mom is an Andrew Wood fan or something. The kid's name was actually uh, was actually Star Dog. How about that? Yeah.
3: Well, the Myrtle Creek man is dead after he fell off a cliff while deer hunting. 53-year-old Mike Weaver went out hunting Sunday night in a rugged area of uh, Weaver Road in the Tri-City. This is down by Roseburg for all you people who aren't familiar with it. When he didn't return, family members became concerned. They found his body at the bottom of a cliff. Uh, the police said this gentleman went hunting, knows the property well. He grew up in the area, and apparently he shot a deer, went to retrieve the deer, and fell off a cliff. So that's what happens when you kill God's creatures. <laughs> a McBinville woman has won the grand prize of $50,000 in the cooking contest for her Sweet Hot Thai Burgers. Karen Bernard's, who owns a seed company and cooks for fun, burst into tears when her name was announced. Crush Spicy Thai Kettle Chips. May have been the secret weapon for her. She also won the 17th Annual Sutter Build-A-Better-Burger National Recipe Contest cook-off in Napa Valley. That's one whole sentence. The 17th <laughs> Annual Sutter Home Build-A-Better-Burger National Recipe Contest and cook-off in Napa Valley. Her winning recipe is for sweet hot Thai burgers. She blends lime juice, cilantro, and sweet thyme chili sauce, garlic basil, fresh ginger, English cucumbers, sprouts, and red bell peppers, into a Thai salad. She also included the crushed chips in the patties to give the burgers extra flavor.
1: Really that's how you know it is my, my assessment of the situation as commentator and pundit that's how you know she's trash. Mm. I don't know what she looks like. I don't know anything about her, but anytime you're crushing chips up inside a hamburger, anytime you have a, any food item, there mm-hmm. is no food item on earth containing crushed potato chips that is not trashy on some level. so that's just that's just that's just a stone cold fact of life, my
3: friends. Anybody here go to the City Sports Bar at Southwest 4th Avenue? It's in danger of losing its license. Apparently there's too much violence and rowdy crowds outside. The
1: City Sports Bar. Is that that place that's by um kind of by the courthouse, sort of catty corner to the courthouse and there's always the um uh, the uh, the youths standing outside on Friday nights? Is that the place we're talking about? It might be. It
3: is. It's on 4th Avenue. Some sort of a club. There were 22 major incidents in front of that bar between August and July. That's not too bad. There's been everything from fights to assaults to public intoxication and crowds up to 200 people. Wouldn't that be in any bar?
1: I guess. (laughs) There are crowds in this bar. Get rid of these people right now.
3: Uh, They're in a part of town that always has a lot of drug traffic and spillover from major clubs. And they also moved the bus line over there. That's nothing anybody who owns a business would want. No. A bus stop in front oh. of your business.
1: The, the businesses downtown in Portland are so pissed right now. They're just so infuriated because it's because either the bus, there's really no, no winning there because either the bus used to come by your business and now it doesn't, which means that people can't, that you get less foot traffic, right. or your business is no longer accessible because they've decided to tear up the street and run the bus right down the middle of your road. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole lot of bad. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, Rick. Hello.
9: Can you hear I, me? Yes. No. Hey, just wanted to let you know I saw the full bearded lady. I'm what? Hello?
1: What?
4: <coughs> I saw the bearded lady.
1: The okay. Well, I, there may be more than one. We had somebody told us yesterday that they were actually in the Woodstock area. I think they said two be- two ladies with beards who wandered around, and the guy wondered if they ever sort of knew each other. Mm-hmm. So, where did you see the bearded lady?
5: Um, on interstate.
1: Okay. Now, was she, so she was driving a car
9: was taking out of the car.
1: Now, what the, did she have long hair?
9: Um, no, she, it wasn't a ponytail, but she, she weighed at least 300 pounds as she was tugging on her beard. Oh, oh,
1: oh, I don't know why that makes my skin crawl so badly. I just hold on, hold on, my girlfriend will tell you.
6: Huh?
1: What? Hello? Hello, hi, how are you?
0: I'm fine. Is your name Amber? No. Just nope. guessing.
1: All right, so what is it now? Did you see a bearded lady?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely was bearded. Where were yeah, you? Uh, a Four inch long beard. It, it was really burly looking. It
1: was burly. It was um, okay. So you were so it's kind so,
0: of a red color, reddish, blondish colored beard. And she was a big girl.
1: Okay, so let's just take a step back here. So you and your man were driving along in the car. Where were you driving?
0: We were actually parked at the Harbor Freight. We were shopping there.
1: Okay, and so this now this we woman. Were
0: just, we were just sitting in the car is getting ready to leave and this car pulled up and out came a bunch of freaks (laughs) i'm serious (laughs) well one who had the blue hair and she was a big girl it's kind of a turquoise color i guess Uh and then there was this bearded lady came out of the back and she actually when she got out of the car she actually pulled on her beard you know to kind of straighten it out a little
1: now was this a false beard or did this look real
0: it was real.
1: All right. Did a perception of oh, it,
0: it was like a man's beard like a <laughs> the car you know how it don't grow straight it kind of grows kind of fuzzy. Oh, it was not like it it was it just for Like an of, Abraham
3: Lincoln beard. Yes. Yeah. So
1: did, now now did you think did you did you weigh the possibility that this may have been a cross thread? This may have been a man dressing as a woman? No, it had boobs. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the phrase of the day. No, it had boobs. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, so you would say that it was, um, it for was the most a, part, a female body that also that had exactly a beard.
0: It was a female who grew a
1: beard. And grew a beard. Would you say, the beard aside, would you say it was an attractive woman? no <laughs> that's definitive right there there's just no screwing around with there all right uh did you see a procession of clowns come out of the trunk of the car because that really is the only thing the story is missing
0: no but i mean there was somebody who uh, they all they had a handicap sign in their car one of them was obviously handicapped yeah well but
1: certainly not cut so from the same it. genetic cloth as the rest of us all right excellent well what well, what is what is your name miss
0: I'm Jennifer.
1: All right, Jennifer. Uh, Well, thank you so much, and uh, thank, I think, Al it was as well. Thank you. That was Al. All right, excellent. Thank (laughs) you.
3: (laughs) She's done. All right. Maybe we should have a bearded lady contest on the morning show.
1: Well, how many, I mean, how many bearded ladies can there be? Because that's different than the bearded lady I saw. Um, and this, th- th- we had that uh, the email from our guys. Like I saw a couple of them the other day. It does seem like maybe. But Portland is maybe filled with con- bearded ladies. Maybe
3: there's a convention going on we don't know about. It <laughs> maybe. Uh, all right. Here's...
1: Well, because
2: I think there are like bearded ladies out of, you know, they just don't take care of themselves.
1: Well, this isn't like you grow a little scrub. Well,
2: I mean, but I've also there's that. But then I've also met like some transsexuals that you know women who are taking all those hormones who grow the beards, which is very strange. How many could there be?
1: Uh, that's what there, I'm saying.
2: you if you go to the E room. We're, They're more more than you'd think.
1: <laughs> Which I do all the time. Where is the they have great karaoke there. Isn't that on Belmont?
2: It's on uh, Division.
1: Division. I always get those two yeah, confused. It's a girl bar. Yeah. It's a girl, girl in, on girl bar. And
2: ex-girl, now guy,
3: girl bar. Here's Tim Riley. I'm confused by this whole thing. I did have something I was going to talk about. Well, the lawyer for Britney is shedding light on why the young star may have lost, or at least temporarily lost custody of her kids. Attorney Cyril Trope uh, tells people Spears is ordered to hand over it, but we all know that by now. This is all because she couldn't provide the court with a California driver's license, which she didn't get. There was a rumor yesterday that she walked out of the DMV with a driver's license. She did not.
1: Now, I saw photographs uh, of her purporting
3: reporting to show her getting the driver's license. Right. Apparently, she was just checking on the status of her license, but... The people working there said she did not walk out of there with a the California license. And
1: you know that her people are totally trying to spin this. That lawyer she's got working for her, whatever his name is, the guy who put up this statement mm-hmm. or her spokesperson, is, is, is trying to downplay this. He's trying to diminish this because he's saying, well, the problem is, is my Little client, understand. yeah, it doesn't have a, as though anybody gets their kids taken away for not having a valid driver's license. Like that's ever happened to anybody. The TMZ totally breaks it down. It's not that she didn't get a driver's license as such. Right. It's that the state ordered her not to drive without a license, which she disobeyed. They ordered her to get... And she's still driving without a driver's license. And to, 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 to give get Federline her kids without a license in the car, she's driving. I, I sound all New York. In the car, she's driving. To give in the kids, she is... Um, she drives without a license in the car to give Federline the kids. The court told her to get drunk and alcohol uh, testing. She hasn't. The dr- court told her to show up for parenting classes. She wouldn't. The court told her to sign the court order and return it so they could have it in file. She didn't. This is not uh, because she didn't have a driver's license. This is because the government doesn't like it when
3: you uh, flout their authority. Well, it- she missed a drug and alcohol test. Uh, we know that. Yeah. And then uh, she was ordered to undergo a random drug and alcohol testing twice a week and meet weekly with a parenting coach who was to observe and report back to the court. So apparently she didn't do any of this.
1: I mean, what is it, What is the parenting coach possibly going to say about Britney Spears other than that you can see her vagina all the time and she shoves her face full of corn chips? Really, what else is there to report about that girl? I, I think we know the ins and outs of the whole thing. So Well, it's, it's as we said yesterday that I think the thing with Britney Spears is that like nobody has ever told her no. It just She just lives in this sort of weird, isolated um, bubble of celebrity where she can just kind of do whatever she wants. It's like that time Eddie Van Halen got arrested for taking a handgun onto an airplane. Like, he was flying commercial. He was flying a Delta flight to somewhere. And he walked out with, it like, a handgun in the waistband of his pants. And they said, is this a three fifty seven in the waistband of your pants? And his explanation was, well, I'm just used to being able to do whatever I want. I mean, he was really upfront about it, and they said, well, no, not so much now. So that's the thing with Brittany. They told her what to do, and she ignored it, and now she's uh, paying the price.
3: Now, just a short time ago, paparazzi snapped the photo of the brothers' better line. Uh, that's Sean, who's two, and Jaden, one, enjoying stroller rides with a nanny near daddy's home.
1: And it looks like uh, let's what, see. A, what a great family. So the first thing he does is actually send them out, not with himself, but with the nanny. Mm-hmm. That's a father's a father's love and a father's parenting skills is what that is right there.
3: So they're being pushed around in the plastic toy car. Ugh, all right, like those things at Fred Meyer. He
1: can't be all that bright if you fight that hard to get custody of your kids, and then the first thing you do is let a photo op happen of the nanny pushing them around the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really scream like give me custody of these kids forever.
3: So That's that for now, anyway. All right. We'll return to this as well as the news warrants. Uh, British Prime Minister Gordon Brown has confirmed the withdrawal of 1,000 soldiers by Iraq at the end of the year. He says the Iraqi forces are ready.
6: Within the next two months,
2: we can move to provincial Iraqi control, and that is the Iraqis taking responsibility for their own security in the whole of Basra. I believe that the 30,000 security forces that have been trained up are capable of discharging these responsibilities for security.
3: Please bring me tea in a cup. <laughs> I really, it, yeah, it it's does, high tea. It does sound it, like Downing Street.
1: He's about to upgrade a butler for not heating his scones
2: to the correct temperature.
3: Uh, he has confirmed uh, that these troops will.
2: The British forces, which have been five and a half thousand, can be reduced to four and a half thousand, and that by the end of the year, indeed by Christmas, a thousand uh, of our troops uh, can be brought back uh, to the United Kingdom.
3: It may. Do you have any gray it? It's like if
1: Christopher Hitch, Hitchens had like a, a, a like an unpleasant, unfunny brother.
3: Mm-hmm. So I, I guess they're trying to spin this in a way, which might be helpful in the long run, to say that they're ready for troops to withdraw. So the Brits are going to try this first, and once they repeat it enough, they'll get used to it. So we can say yes. it.
1: Are they? The, are yes, they the the, the 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 test balloon for this? I suppose so. they try all of our plans. Are mm-hmm. they like the um? Are they the food tasting? Yeah. They're the food taster of of the Iraq uh, troop withdrawal. Yes, they do it and if nothing. You know, it's interesting that they go from Tony Blair, who was so much the Bill Clinton of Britain. You know, just young and very hip and in in, in tune with the youth culture and very, you know, not very... And then they go right back to this guy who's just just stodgy and you can just smell the stale coming off of him. Uh, Rick, this email says, about Scotty Spark... I'm having a mental dilemma. Scotty Jay has been a part of your show for over a year now, and it still seems like his spirit is not broken. In a way, it's actually kind of enduring. It reminds me of when I'm with the three-year-olds at Sunday school. They're unjaded, excitable, energetic, and full of theories and thoughts about the world around them, which is refreshing considering the world we live in. They are fun to be around. Children are a breath of fresh air. On the other hand, being with these children can be tedious, frustrating, and mentally draining. This is all Scotty J in a nutshell. I root for Scotty J to keep his childish enthusiasm. Often, I want to tousle Scotty's hair and reassure him, but then other times I want to give him a timeout. I'm not sure what to do with myself. I root for him not to break, but then I want him just to be quiet. I'll let you know when I've puzzled it out. Thank you, sir. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
5: Rick, a free geek. Uh, that is
9: a great place to go. I, I go there and buy a lot of computer stuff, but I oh, walked for, in there uh, for, com-
1: for computer stuff. Yeah.
9: Yeah. I walked in there one night. They have like a Thursday night uh, movie night or whatever. Yeah. And I, and I went in there to see what they, you know, just what they were doing. Right. Because yeah, I they, was new here. Free geek and does. I, they do I like. had. I'm sorry, I had to keep from doing the double take when I seen the heavy set lady with the six inch ZZ top, oh, no. you know, Lane Staley goatee. <laughs> And I, I was just like I, like I, people. If I don't shave for a few days, I, I look like Grizzly Adams. But holy crap, like yeah. this lady put me to shame for well, sure.
1: And how great is it that, that like a woman at you made you feel like less of a man in the facial hair department?
9: You know what? Hey, what can I say? I mean, <laughs> this is Portland, right? Yes,
1: that is true. See, that's the that's the the definitive summation right there. Excellent. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah, those guys sell like refurbished computer stuff. Uh, like, have you got the, you know, like, because I think people donated and they kind of fixed it up and they said, sort of the value village of the computer world.
3: Oh. all right. Here's Jim Riley. Meanwhile, back in these United States, the new sitcom Caveman premieres tonight on ABC. It's based on the Geico Caveman. <laughs> how can it be bad? How, how could this not be uh, creative? I don't know. You just,
1: <laughs> you just sound, you sound really puzzled. Can I tell you this today? Yes. Today, you sound really puzzled by everything. Mm-hmm. Not in a... Not like in a you don't understand it kind of way, but just like you don't have words to describe it. Yeah, that's well,
3: This is one of those occasions. <laughs> the Geico Caveman stars Ben English. He says uh, being in a sitcom based on a commercial should uh, give him a leg up.
4: It sets up the world uh, that we're living in, in in the series, and so people are familiar with the characters. But you know, I wanted to know more about them from watching the commercials. Who would? By expanding the, the series to, to 22 minutes, you get to see that.
2: That's like the saddest thing I've ever
1: heard. <laughs> that's the saddest piece of propaganda. I just is, wanted to I, know
2: more about them.
3: I, I just hope there's a sitcom on that new uh, Clorox toilet brush too. <laughs> that's hey, that's a great
1: idea for a stupid bit. Somebody like a Mad TV ought to yeah. do like if they expanded other commercials to twenty two minutes. Like if they, you know, like if it was. I want to know more about that. Apply directly
3: to forehead, lady.
1: I <laughs> wish <laughs> some will someone won't someone please create a head
3: on uh, sitcom. Uh, ensemble show, the people who make Tylenol.
1: <laughs> Where those? You know, i never forget that the product I'm making goes into someone's body. Back after this. It would just be that. Have you seen the new version of the, um... It's not head-on, but it's that same trick being used for something else. It's for this, um... I'm not going to say it's a scam, but it's, 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 it's... I won't come out and say that. That would be wrong. A
3: TV commercial... <laughs> looks, it's not better living through television?
1: And I'm sure it's not true. I'm sure it's a fine product. Mm-hmm. It's a. <laughs> You're a bad person. You bring out the worst impulses in me. Um, but it's a uh, commercial for one of those. It's like a. Um, it's like a contest you play with a text message, and and they give you some incredibly simple geography question. Like a woman comes on the screen, and at the bottom, in sort of that Who Wants to Be a Millionaire" layout, it says, "What is the capital of the U.S.? Is it A. Colorado." Or B, Washington, D.C. You know, text, you know, is it A or B? Text your answer to 77 seven, blah, 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 whatever the text is. And she's like, for your chance to win $15,000. And, I mean, obviously, it's a th- and, uh, you know, the text probably costs money, and then they might spam you with something. But it's about five seconds of copy, and she just unblinkingly stares at the camera and recites it verbatim three or four times that in a row. That lady's
2: crazy looking, too.
1: She's so weird, and it's just <laughs> like the head-on commercial. She goes, is it A or B? Text your answer to 775927. Is it A or B? Text your answer to 775927. Is it A or B? Text your message to <laughs> 59777. Seven seven, over and over. And, it's clearly and she has an, like a curious
2: accent, too.
1: She's exotic is what mm-hmm. she is. Or an alien. And it's clearly derivative of those head-on, apply directly to forehead, you know, where you just sort of like, ah, it just gets in your brain and won't get out. I oh, haven't so. seen it yet.
3: I fast forward to all that.
1: Stuff. Oh, I usually do. But if I'm in the kitchen or something or if I just if um like if I pause the TiVo and then after like half an hour, it unpauses itself and continues playing like occasionally I'll catch one of those. It's just but how sad that that guy was forced to sit in front of a microphone and go, well, when I see those Geico commercials, you know, I want to know. I want to know more about those characters. I want to know more about Mrs. Butterworth. Won't someone please tell me more about Mrs. Olson who breaks into people's kitchens? All
3: right. Uh The caveman says viewers will identify <laughs> with the caveman characters,
4: whether they're a caveman or not. I think that's the the heart of this show is that, what? that these are people, these
8: guys are all dealing with different. Uh, what
1: do you mean if they're a caveman or not?
8: Uh, that normal
4: people face in their everyday lives too.
1: This, I can tell you the thing is, this is already going to go down in pop culture history as just one of those weird aberrations. I mean, this is, you know what it is? I'm calling it right now. This is my phrase. I this am... will
3: be the only episode presented.
1: <laughs> Probably. Well, you know they haven't even screened it. You know they haven't, and I know that for a fact. Uh, that they didn't, uh, Carlin said that they didn't They didn't send anybody the DVDs of it. No critics have seen it. No one has viewed it. So, what I'm about to say is... This joke copyright
3: 2007.
1: Rick Emerson Show. This Caveman Show. This is the cop rock of the 21st century. You mark my words right now. That what is it just called caveman? Yes, caveman.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Not Captain Caveman. Just regular old proletariat and caveman. And not
3: Geico Caveman either.
1: Now, because, now is Geico mentioned, oh, two questions. A, is Geico mentioned anywhere in it, do you think? I don't know. And B, are there commercials in this? Oh, that is a good question, isn't because it? Because it's effectively one whole big commercial for Geico. Mm-hmm. And so, you got to wonder. And these are all things I don't know the answer to. You got to wonder if there are stop sets or commercial breaks uh, in this show, and if so, does Geico get a piece of that? You know, whatever. I mean, God, God love Geico. You know, whatever, whatever you do to make money doesn't matter to me. But I, it's shrewd marketing. But you got to wonder if this is effectively a 22 minute infomercial for Geico. And so, and so if Scotty's saying that Geico released the rights to this. But that seems unlikely. It seems like maybe they released certain specific rights. But Okay, but even if GEICO released the rights, I'm not saying that they have to pay GEICO for this. I'm saying clearly the association is still with GEICO. That's my point. Whether GEICO has their name on it or not, that's why everybody knows the caveman. Everybody associates the caveman with GEICO. So this is, st- this is a 22-minute infomercial for GEICO insurance. So if there are also stop sets in this, if they're also selling ad time, if I was Geico, I'd be for asking for a piece of that. If people are watching a sitcom, so do you
3: think it could be sponsored by State Farm? It's well, it's,
1: how weird is that? The idea that that an infomercial is actually going to have commercial breaks for other
3: products. Hmm. We are really. This is really. So is his job processing claims? I
1: uh, well, I don't even know. A uh, zany workplace. Well, and you know there was that whole awkward press conference, that uncomfortable press conference about a month ago, where this is not about black people, where the guy the guy said that. The guy from, what network is this? ABC. Please tell me it's not CBS. ABC. Okay. Yeah.
3: Where the guy from ABC. No, we, we, CBS just leaves children alone in the desert for the death bowl. the Defend them themselves.
1: Why don't you cook something on this hot oil griddle? Um, I found an armadillo's leg. We can all share it. No there, was <laughs> no, there was this awkward press conference that ABC held like a month ago where I think they actually had to come out and say... Because there were so many people writing these columns and so many pundits going, well, the caveman show is clearly a thinly veiled allegory for the plight of the African-American people inside a largely white country. And I, I think it's just a commercial that somebody decided they could stretch into programming to fill ABC's lackluster lineup. Really, I think, is the extent of it. But I think ABC actually had to hold a press conference where the guy came out and he said... Like, this sitcom is not about, you know, it's not about black people, it's not about any other minority, it's not about, it's just cavemen. And I don't, whatever, and I just like, I don't know, nobody's seen the show. But, I mean, it's already got such a huge ripple happening in the pop culture pond um, that... Um, I mean, it's gonna, you're right, it's going to last like one episode or two at the most, uh, and then it'll be gone forever, but it'll be referenced endlessly. And Geico is the ultimate beneficiary of all of this.
3: Because so. that, that show on Fox were in once about the, that uh, model that went to be the Anchor Woman in Texas?
1: Anchor Woman. I anchor just, Woman. I just threw a news article about
2: that away. Say and
3: everybody else doing the same thing. And you thing.
2: watched that show, right, Tim? And I watched that the episode, one? yeah. And
3: it was good? Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed just... it. It was kind of stupid. I we'll hate, hate to freaky, actually freaky. go into the trash here.
2: That is so wrong. It's, you should not be putting your hands in. it. It's back. really clean. It's
1: clean trash. It's a good kind of trash.
2: My, I watched the Seinfeld last night when George eats the eclair out of the trash. Yeah. And he was like, it's on top. It's not trash. Oh, yeah, no. That's you right now.
1: Okay, I threw this away because it was it was outdated. But did you see Lauren Jones is hoping her fan base can do for her show? They didn't, by the way, because this is for like what a month fan ago. fan base? <laughs> and Lauren Jones is the star of Anchor Woman, canceled after one episode. Listen to how sad this is. Um, The former WWE diva and Price's Right girl has taken to MySpace in an effort to get her show Anchor Woman back on the air. She was not successful. Fox canceled the show after just one episode. In a blog on her MySpace page, Joan asks her fans to, quote, Voice your opinion and let Fox know how you feel. She blames the low ratings on a, wait for it, lack of promotion and, quote, many other reasons, end quote. She says... The thing that sucks about this is that Anchor Woman is such a great show and gets better and more fun with every episode. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And you know that there's a lot of smiley faces in this post, too. Anyway. Oh, it's available on Fox's uh, On Demand on their internets, though, Tim. So you can watch it online if you really want to. Huh? yeah. I, I, I won't remember it. No. No, you won't. Uh, so there you go. So well done, Geico. And I just as a... I
3: have one more. Without... Oh, really? Okay. Uh, the K band uh, pokes fun at uh, stereotypes and prejudices.
8: There's just certain things that come out of the situation itself. Uh, just the instant stigmas that are put up against these guys and how they're kind of misunderstood living in this world of, of Homo sapiens and and dealing with, uh, you know, dating in or out of your species.
1: Geez. Oh, are you kidding me? No. Somebody needs to get their talking points straight over that network. You can't have a press conference. He doesn't even sound like a caveman. No, he doesn't at all. I, sir, are you? He sounds too do cultured. He's he's not really playing a caveman. I uh, <laughs> Now we need a caveman rights group to protest the fact that a non-caveman is playing a caveman. Um, so you can't have a press conference a month ago. Where the ABC guy comes out and flatly denies that the show is about prejudice or race relations in any way. And then one of your idiot actors go on television pimping the show and, and, come and say, well, it's about race relations and prejudice and dating outside your species or whatever he called it. So someone needs to get their message straight over the American Broadcasting Company. Just FYI. All right. here's uh... Oh, but just as a side note about Geico, you do have to admire Geico for a couple of things. What might that be? Well, it's this. A, for just pulling off really a masterstroke with this Geico thing, this caveman thing. It really is genius. And B, just the amount of exposure that they haven't paid. Can you imagine how much free advertising? I can't even tabulate how much free advertising they've gotten out of this. And B, the companies in advertising, it's a maxim that you pick one angle, one gimmick, one logo, and you pound it into the ground and you don't deviate. You don't dilute it. You pick one thing that you just slam into the ground over and over and over and over and over again. And Geico pulls off two, because they have the caveman, and then they have the lizard. They have the gecko. Um, And so that's good. It it really is impressive that they're able to pull off two completely different kinds of marketing campaigns with two completely different mascots, uh, and they're both equally effective. So whoever runs the advertising for Geico, is uh, they ought to be getting a raise right about now.
3: And they do some things right, too. I will say one thing for Geico. They paid promptly when that lady drove through the front of my house. She she did have Geico insurance, and they sent somebody over that week. I... Che- check was cut, money in hand. Really? House fixed, everyone happy. I'm not, uh, yeah. So that's that. Well, let's talk to this uh, woman in Brooklyn who claims she was bossing her job as a customer service representative because she wore too much perfume. The New York <laughs> Post reports a 24-year-old Jorena Sullivan is now suing her former employer, Mind Pearl, a million dollars. Several New Yorkers find it unbelievable that a woman could be fired for wearing too much perfume. That's
0: ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. That's not a reason to get fired, definitely. Let her know, and then she'll, you know, tone it down a
1: little bit. I mean, that's a fire. Come on now. How could you be fired for just wearing too much perfume? It 's a reason to be fired and beaten, I might add the uh, everybody has not only is it a reason to be fired it's a reason to be fired and kicked down some stairs uh, as they let you go. Everybody has had to work next to somebody who thought that no one that their perfume was just the right amount, or also, a guy who wore buckets of brute I was exa- buckets of brute <laughs> hello, we're buckets of brute. Thank you for coming out um a guy or a woman who wore way too much scent on them everybody, everybody. As much as we make fun of Scotty J for his uh, whatever, Cuba or whatever that's called, Playa, um, I have worked with guys who wore so much cologne. I mean, an unbelievable amount of cologne. I've worked with women. And there is, here's a weird thing. Mm. It's strange that you can't really describe a scent. There's no way to describe a scent accurately most of the time. But there is some perfume, and I don't know what it is. But it's popular enough that probably once... Every month or two, I will pass a woman on the street, or be, you know, in the hallway with a woman, and I will smell it. And it's a very just, and it's the worst thing I have ever smelled. I don't know what it is. I don't know what the perfume is. One of these days, I'm just going to have to stop one of the women who has me go. Pardon me. What is that delightful scent? Just so, just so I know, like never to be around it. There is some perfume out there that I've smelled on and off for years now, and it's just vile. And. Uh, it, and just a bad perfume. I mean, it is, if you're allergic to it, and it like, I mean, I've been in an elevator from time to time. You don't know, be in an elevator with a woman, and it's just so strong that it like stings your eyes. You feel like you're being mustard gassed or something. I mean, that is no different. Having too much cologne or perfume is no different than being the guy in the office who doesn't bathe. And we've all worked with the guy who doesn't bathe. Jesus, hose yourself, man. Have someone sponge you for the love of God. So, smelling it like, a, like a citrusy flower is no better than smelling like sewage. So, it's absolutely a reason to be fired. So, just so spray yourself off and knock it, knock it off. Jesus.
3: A lesson intended to teach African-American children about the horror of racism has sparked a controversial debate. The news star of Louisiana reports photographs of kindergartners and first graders... Oh, no. ...at the uh, Elma Brown Elementary School in Grambling were posted on the front page of a college newspaper showing children in shackles and a young girl in the mock noose hanging. Uh, university officials called this inconsiderate.
8: The publication of the photograph of the child with a noose around her neck traumatized an irresponsible
1: act. How? Okay, it's a southern state. How? <laughs> As though it explains it all. Well, it's not there. They're southern. How old were these children?
3: Uh, Kindergarten and
1: first grade. Don't be shackling and hanging kindergartners. I mean, that really ought to go without saying. Uh, Save these calls, then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
4: Hey. Hey. Hey, I love how you guys uh, are turning like the bearded lady into the Sasquatch of
1: Portland. I'm not. I'm just observing that I was at Safeway and there was a bearded woman next to me.
4: Well, no, I mean, come on now. We're getting sightings called in. I want to see a map. I want to see
1: pins on a map, you know. I want to go see some of these things, you know? <laughs> Satellite tracking system for the bearded yeah. lady. Yeah. I mean, well, come on. I mean, and the interesting thing is there is no male equivalent to the bearded lady. No. I mean, there's really all. nothing, not, not that I can think of anyway. There is no male equivalent to that.
4: Well, it was the guy who lost the bet and got the boob job done.
1: That's right. I forgot all about that guy. A couple of years ago, he mm-hmm. lost that bet. and Or no, he didn't lose the bet. The bet was, would he get implants and that. keep them for a whole year for 100 grand? Which he did. 34 Ds. Very creepy. But
4: no, I'm seriously, I mean, I want to go out and find one of these now. I've
9: never seen
1: one. Okay, please, whatever you do, if you see one, don't throw a net over it or stun it or tase it with anything.
9: (laughs) Oh, come on. I'm on a casting of the beard, maybe?
1: A casting casting of the beard. Like you're all crouching like you're Marlon Perkinson crap. Right here (laughs) you can see that we have captured droppings. The three-lobed spore of the creature. (laughs) <laughs> right. Hey, and one, one last thing. Yes, sir.
4: Um, anybody happen to know if in Caveman is Ringo Starr involved?
1: Well, yeah, good reference. Excellent. Well done. Hey. All right. Uh, two more, and then we'll break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show.
9: Hey, I was just going to remind you, Geico had a the three pronged attack. They had the Caveman, the Gecko, and the. I have good news for you.
10: Oh, I
5: that's just right. Saved the but money I money
9: on my
10: car.
5: That's started.
1: right. That was their other thing. But I have some good news. And it was always like a guy talking about how you know his. You know, like his children had all been run over by a train, you know. But I do have good news. I save money on my car insurance. That's right. That's three ad campaigns going at once, all distinctly different, all of them uh, memorable. I mean, that's unheard of in the advertising world. I mean, that really is, that is just, that is, that's Hall of Fame. That's like hang your jersey up there. Then there was a
3: tiny house before that. The tiny house. What's
1: the tiny house?
3: These people were in this tiny house bumping their heads on the ceiling. And Uh the woman was crying at the end. Sounds great. Geico <laughs> you go makes your wife cry. It was uh, a takeoff over of reality shows.
1: Thank you, Kevin. Uh, let's see. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show.
4: Well, I got beaten to the punch. I already, I had the three pronged attack. Oh as yeah, well.
1: of the of uh, the, uh, the saved a bunch of money in her car insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry, sir. Maybe you'll find <laughs> something to be uh, to be original at later. Somebody saved me some time. All right. Thank you. All right. Take a break here. We'll come back more from Tim Riley around the corner. Uh, later on, Jim Roop. Peter Carlin, who has been denied uh, his request to see the Caveman show in advance. I'll get the uh, top five later on as well. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Hello, it's the Rick Emerson Show. This email says, Rick, the city of Portland does indeed have a no-perfume policy. It works like a three-strikes-you're-out concept in Multnomah County. If your perfume or cologne is reported, you have a verbal warning, then a written citation. Finally, termination! Signed, unless you're the crabby, bitchy HR receptionist who's threatened to sue so many times that she's untouchable.
3: What if you're the bearded lady?
1: I don't know. If you're the bearded lady, it seems like a... Uh... Nah, no, I was trying to make some joke there about where you'd apply that. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Uh, let's see. Rick, about Geico, he says, there's actually four ad campaigns. Did you forget about the one with Burt Bacharach? Oh, you know, that's right. And Don LaFontaine. There's that, you know, uh, you know the Burt Bacharach campaign, because we played it, I think, on the station a lot, where, um, you know, it's like Loretta Graves is a Geico customer. To tell her story, we have Burt Bacharach. And then she says, I got hit in the rear. And then Burt Bacharach says, I got hit in the rear. We played that commercial. We played the hell out of that commercial here. So that's actually four simultaneous, I am more impressed with Geico by the moment. Just with every passing second, I'm more, I just, I want to have, I should have them advertise, but I have them handle all of our advertising from now on. Rick, one of the places I work, don't mention, you uh, see, I never had how to handle stuff like this. He has typed the name of the place, the name of the business, bracketed by the words, cough, cough. <laughs> so I never know whether that means I'm supposed to say it or not. Well, it was the WB. Rick, one of the places I worked, Cough, the WB, Cough, there was a sales lady who wore so much perfume I could easily tell where and when she'd been walking in the hall and which way she went, like I was some sort of bloodhound. Turns out she wore all the perfume because she was drinking her lunch
3: every day. Ah, well done. Congratulations. Here's Tim Riley. So apparently, you know, this Britney story is being cleared up because there's just so much erroneous information. She didn't check into the Beverly Hills Hotel. It says here she checked into the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills. I'm not exactly sure what that is.
1: Uh, now, is the Peninsula Hotel is that a code for rehab or is
3: that just a hotel? I, I don't know. What, so does she not have a
2: house? She did, she's, she's not in rehab.
3: No, she's not, <laughs> she does have a house. She left her Malibu house. Apparently, she wanted to spend some time at the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills.
1: I guess maybe that's to get away from the from the paparazzi or whatever.
3: Well, a member of the hotel security was knocked out allegedly by a trespassing paparazzo. It was pure chaos inside the five-star hotel last night. Fantastic! With panic security chasing photographers off the property. And uh, TMZ apparently had a shot of a car leaving the scene at a high rate of speed, allegedly with the assaulted suspect inside.
1: It is so weird. Now that we know that that whole thing is legitimate, we'll talk to Jim Roop about this in like 20 minutes or so. Now that we know it is legitimate that she handed over the kid yesterday, Mm -hmm. it makes it even stranger that she just couldn't wait to get... I mean, how do I put this? I'm not saying that I know this to be the case. I'm simply speculating that maybe is a little anecdotal evidence to that Sarah Silvery crack about the kids being the two most adorable mistakes you'll ever see might not be so far off the mark. I mean, if the judge says, like, you know, you have to get rid of your kids in a couple days, she's like, take them now! You know, that really doesn't indicate that you're you're filled with uh, maternal longing to have them around. So, uh, who
3: knows what goes on inside of Brittany's head. Here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, it was 50 years ago this week, that this caused paranoia all over the world. People, you know, it went
4: from one moment of, of absolute awe. And if you're a college freshman, there was a little, you were more prone to that. But it went from that to increasing anxiety.
3: It wasn't supposed to be
1: that. <laughs> what does this sound? Oh, is this? I think I know what you're talking about. Was this supposed to be a beeping? It was. Do we have the beeping?
3: It was supposed to be this. Hang on a minute. Let me go back and look for the beep again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me, uh, let me just, let me get a couple of these. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
0: Hello? Hi. Hi, uh, yeah, you know, that oil you were talking or that perfume you were talking about, Rick, I think is patchouli oil. I've never smoked anything so bad in my life.
1: Well, uh, patchouli oil is very sort of f- flowery, right?
0: Oh, no. I mean, I have never up. Ch- I don't up Chuck easy, and I can do it within a minute,
3: smell <laughs> that stuff. <laughs> so it's that just,
0: is the worst stuff. My uh, my husband's ex-wife uses that stuff. I swear she bathes in it. Not to mention she's the ex-wife, which makes it bad. But then when she bathes in that stuff, ugh.
1: What is, okay. what is that place uh, on, not presence of mind? You know that place, presence of mind? Uh-huh. Yeah. When you go by there, is that patchouli that that place reeks of? What does uh, that place reek of?
0: I don't know, but... Oh my if you smelled it you would know it was patchouli oil. It's uh, the worst stuff they've ever made on the planet.
1: Patchouli oil, now that you mention it, is one of those things that people always reference, but I don't think I actually know what it smells like. I mean oh, just sort of I people that's always that's sort of say it true. as a joke, but I don't think really think I know what it is. I
0: don't even know, but I just know if I smell it I will throw up within a minute.
1: It's your own it's sort of a uh, it's your own sort of aromatic ipecac.
0: Oh, oh man. All right. I don't even want to go there. Thank it's, you. Thanks for it. bye now.
1: All right, there you go. Well, keep it around in case the kids ingest something bad. Let's do one more here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show.
5: Rick, how's it going? What's up? So, two things. One, I was enjoying a, a third eye commercial there during a break, huh. and I don't know if it was you or Sarah or Tim, somebody, somebody interrupted my uh, commercial goodness letting me know I had won two free iPod Nanos.
1: <laughs> I don't know anything about that, sir. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: The other thing would happen to be <laughs> yes, um, the, that patchouli oil.
10: Yeah.
5: Um, it, if you want to know what it smells like, imagine a stink palm, and then just uh, ramp it up to like the sweet factor.
1: A sweet stink palm. Yep.
5: The <laughs> That's sweet disgusting. Sweet stink
1: palm of goodness. Okay, we're going to end on that Praise. Enjoy you.
3: it. Bye now.
1: All right. Thanks, Brody. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley.
3: Yes, it was fifty years ago today. Let this put the world into a panic. We redid our education system. do no. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, there we go. And without him giving up on this story, curious, go online and find out what it's about. I don't want to push my luck any further.
1: That's so great, and the best part is not that you just screwed up like three times, yeah. but that it then played when you didn't intend for it to. I know it's that's really wonderful. I uh, yeah, I wish I
3: had an iPod Nano.
1: You know, it's funny. I was ju- <laughs> I was just saying to um. I was just to my wife the other day, actually, that someday, and we always have to phrase it this day, someday, many, 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 many years in the future, uh, when Max goes to uh, goes to, goes to dog heaven, uh, that if I ever get another dog, uh, that I've always said that if I get another dog, I want to name him Ned Ryerson, after the character from Groundhog Day. But I've decided that Sputnik might be a great name as well. It wouldn't work with a big dog. It would have to be a small dog. A little dog called Sputnik. So okay. I'm, I'm making a note to myself about that. That If I ever get another small dog, I might call him Sputnik. All right, here's Tim Riley.
3: Where should we do go from here? I don't really know. Um, Did you know these... that Paula Abdul is uh, hoping for motherhood soon?
1: Really? Yeah. She just laying on a bed
3: somewhere waiting for that's waiting for somebody to service her. <laughs> Apparently so. Hello, I'm waiting for motherhood. She said kids are the next step in her life, and she will definitely have them within the next two years. She's forty five. Isn't that dangerous for uh, a woman?
1: Yes, yes it is. Yeah, you shouldn't be doing so that. She
3: doesn't care about the health of her children. No, of course not. She,
1: Paula Abdul doesn't. Paula Abdul doesn't care about children.
3: She thought by this time she'd have three grown children. She does not. Having three... Okay.
1: She thought that by this time she would have three grown children. I mean, when was she thinking this? Because that that would take like 25 years. When is it she thought that? I don't know, but she has a boyfriend. He's 32 years old. I wonder if he's aware of this. They never are. All right. Yeah, you're not supposed to have kids after like, uh, what, 40? Yeah. My mom, by the way... How old was my mom when she was cranking out children? I I didn't know her about that. I couldn't (laughs) tell you. My mom was... um, my mom was over. My mom was forty-two. My forty-two. Mm-hmm. My mom was forty-two when she had my brother. So it's a miracle that he can even, uh, you know, walk without hobbling. So yeah, you should, and he can. You shouldn't be. No, he can. Uh, yeah, he shouldn't. Uh, you shouldn't be doing that. So quit to quit. I don't know. I, I thought the deal with celebrity women like that is they just went and they just took kids from a hut somewhere. I thought that was the whole. I thought that was the whole deal. I thought you just went there. and, I don't know. You went to some place and had falafel and they gave you children. <laughs> Have I won an iPod? Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. (laughs) Hello.
5: Hey, Rick, this is Neil, full-time listener.
1: Hi, thank you, sir.
5: Hey, uh, was also going to mention, have you seen the true Hollywood-esque commercials Geico has out now?
1: Uh, I have not, sir.
5: They have one where it shows the Cabbage Patch Kid growing up, and uh, they have some guy in a Cabbage Patch Kid outfit, and then he gets ridiculed in older life because his head is too big and he can't fit into anything.
1: Oh, that's funny. And
5: then he reaches superstardom because he switched to Geico,
9: and they show him on a Dancing with the Stars type show and all that. Now he has all this money and
10: fame.
9: And then there's a new one I saw with Fred Flintstone. That they're doing same kind of deal. All
3: right, excellent. So so hey, got... their
1: advertising does work. No, it really does. Their advertising there are people is
3: people a... online waiting. To talk about insurance commercials, uh, astoundingly effective. Thank you, sir. Yep. Somebody
1: else pointed out that um, you know another. Now see, now we're doing it. This has been like 45 minutes of advertising for Geico. I had to bill them for this. Uh we've been talking about Geico for the better part of an hour. You know the other commercial they do? My name's Smoky, and I'm a real biker. That guy. That we play those, uh we play those as well, those uh, those Geico commercials of Smoky the Biking guy. So uh all right. Uh Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Hey Rick, how hey. are you? What's up?
4: Um, I uh called so early with a point and then now I'm <laughs>
1: lost again, you know. I'm... Would you like to talk about Sputnik instead?
4: Uh, we talked about Sputnik the other day. It was it was very entertaining. I think it has something to do with, um, damn it. I'm down in, in every day's, everybody's garden center again, and I'm not going to get you more, no more. Did you ever get your ladybugs?
1: What? I don't even know what we're talking about.
4: Did you ever get your ladybugs?
1: What does that mean? Everybody's garden store? Center? Center, whatever. Let's stop now. When you say now? when you say Rick, did you ever get your ladybugs? What are you, you talking ever, about?
4: I called you. I called you about a month and a half ago. Yeah, from the Everybody's Garden Center, and I put you on the phone.
1: Oh with, yeah, okay. And so we determined the that they did in fact sell boxes of like three thousand ladybugs. Well, uh, here's the thing. Here's the
4: thing is that just from and I know that you weren't expecting that, so I threw the, threw you the phone, and so you were just like ah, 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 trying to juggle. But uh-huh. in that I picked up that you were really excited. About the idea that you could get a large quantity of ladybugs, and I almost, I almost like the following Monday came down here and I was just going to drop it off at the, at the front. The front oh, desk. I
1: can't even imagine the reaction at the front desk if you dropped off three thousand ladybugs.
4: Well, I would probably keep them in the
1: package. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Freaky. Okay. Bye now. We have to go. Thanks. Thanks so much. I can't even imagine what they would do at the front desk if a guy uh, if a guy dropped off three thousand ladybugs with him. I
3: mean, Rick, your ladybugs are here. I don't... um, You must have missed the Count the Ladybug contest. Should I I put them in your office? All right. (laughs)
1: Uh, Bye now. Here's Tim Riley.
3: Well, uh, Jen and Orlando's Mexican tan-off is making news. What's this about? Well, Orlando Bloom has finally lost his hotness, according to this gossip columnist for MSN. And apparently, over the weekend, paparazzi snapped the former elf strolling shirtless right next to... Bikini client Jennifer Aniston at a Mexican resort. Random closeness. And apparently, it sent the rumor mill into overdrive. The blurry shot show little more than the single stars soaking up harmful UV rays in the same general patio area. But that's enough to touch off talk of an A list hookup. We still don't know if that's really happening for sure. American laboratories handling the world's deadliest germs and toxins have experienced more than 100 accidents and missing shipments since 2003. Uh-huh. The number is increasingly growing. Uh, for instance... It's uh,
1: increasingly growing? Yes. Mm-hmm. Really? Not decreasingly growing?
3: No. The Rockville, Maryland ferret, also known as ferret number 992, has been inoculated with bird flu, but a technician apparently... uh ...was bitten on the thumb by it. An Oklahoma State University lab in Stillwater can't account for a dead mouse... ...inoculated with bacteria that causes joint pain, weakness, lymph node swelling, and pneumonia. Uh, the rodent, one of 30 to be incinerated, was never found. <laughs> in Albuquerque, New Mexico, an employee of the Lovelace Respiratory Research Institute... ...was bitten on the left hand by an infected monkey. The animal was ill from an infection of bacteria that causes the plague.
1: The plague, not just skipping a right to the monkey with bottom. the
3: plague. <laughs> that re- <laughs> the worker was referred to a doctor.
1: <laughs> Why do you tell a doctor I've got the plague? I mean, really, that's you, you've you've bottom lined it there. You have zeroed everything out at that point.
3: A Colorado worker at the Federal Center for Disease Control and Prevention found three broken vials of Russian Spring virus. Wearing only a laboratory coat and gloves, he used tweezers to remove broken glass and put the materials to a special container. The virus is a potential bio-warfare agent. It causes brain inflammation. (laughs) It's supposed to be handled in a lab wearing pressure suits that resemble space suits. So not like in street clothes with tweezers. The report does not say whether the the worker became ill. No, of course
1: not. (laughs) Of course, why would it? Why would we need to know that? You know, frankly, if there's a monkey with a plague that's on the loose somewhere, I just assume not monkey know about with a plague. That. I really... What is the point of telling me about that? Is what, what I can do F all about that, as they say.
3: Caution, there's a monkey with a plague. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that should be our alert. That should be our new Amber Alert Sounder, or like our EAS. Yeah. You know, this is a test of the emergency broadcast system.
2: Or the and Homeland Security Alert?
1: That... Tim, we, that, used to, we used to have homeland you said security alert. that was awesome. Oh no? yeah, that was a long time ago. Okay, uh-huh. we forget all about homeland security. That Not should, should we care? That should be our new homeland security alert. All right. So well, if let's make it so. So let's. So in a, for example, here's we did. There today, we're issuing a new homeland security alert. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. All right, there you go. So that was what fifty-seven. Did that happen? Yes. That was and you know Sputnik. Um, you watched the Iron Giant, right? Yes. The Iron Giant is great. Uh, one of the and that was done in the um in the sort of post it set anyway in the in the post Sputnik era, right around that same time. There is a scene. It's sort of a you don't really notice it, but there is a scene where the Iron Giant and Hogarth are standing on a hill and they're looking down at whatever the town is where he lives. And uh, this is just real subtle. Brad Bird, the guy who then who directed that and then went on to do the Incredibles. Um, and they really ought to reissue that movie with a whole from the director of The Incredibles on it. It would do it would do a lot better this time. Um, if you look at the skyline at night of the town where he lives, in certain scenes, if you look in the background, you can see Sputnik uh, in the sky. Uh, and he said that, that that since the movie is set in the Cold War era, and there's so much of a Military paranoia theme that runs through the Iron Giant. And that's why they're so terrified of the giant because he comes from outer space, and so they th- they think he's you know a Soviet thing. Um, there are several scenes where at night, if you look on the skyline, you can see Sputnik uh, just silently passing by in the background. It gives me chills just to think about it. It's just a, just a, it's a tiny detail in a in a in a flawless film. So excellent. Well, let's just uh, roll on through with this. We'll talk to Rup here in a second. Oh, and I haven't even showed you guys. Yeah, he'll be talking to us here on KCMD Portland. This is a good time to show you, actually. Uh, Tim and Sarah, I have something hideous to show you. All right. Um, let's see it right now. The thing
2: now. you've been talking about for days? The
1: thing I've been t- the thing I've been talking about for days that I kept meaning to show you, and I set it down on the floor and then forgot about it. All right. So do you want to take that right there down off the shelf? So now you may or may not remember... The hip-hoppin' Easter bunny doll that was given to me by my in-laws for Easter. Laura and I, I got this I do remember meal. that. So we're sitting over here. I thought it was bizarre. It's a, it's a green and white plush bunny who is a rapper. He is a rapping bunny. He has, instead of a clock flavor, flavor style, he has a green chain with a green Easter egg slung around and his goofy neck. Eyes. And droopy the, eyes. And the Easter bunny's clearly high. He's got half-lidded eyes. His eyes are heavily lidded, and he is entirely green. What kind of word is a You know, the, the clothes.
2: Oh, he's entirely green. I can't.
1: He's green. He's wearing a green chain with a green egg, and his eyes are half shut. The rabbit is stoned. So he, you know, as all rappers are, always. So it is a wrapping Easter bunny. Sarah, would you like to have the Easter bunny? Oh, and he waggles his arms as he wraps. Uh, everybody, especially low,
3: listen up.
2: Oh, my God, I think he's dead. The battery's dead?
1: He doesn't want to rap anymore?
3: Oh, it's probably been sitting up there for quite some you time.
1: You know
2: what? And it's pretty warm up here. Oh, I bet it, he's just fried.
1: to live? I don't think I recorded it. Oh. oh, here we go. Oh, and he bobs his head. Fake stop. Yeah. yeah. I don't really think it's over. Yeah. All right. So, that's, so I got that, and I don't think there's a picture of that on my web page.
2: We really need a picture of it. Well, wait. To you can probably Google it, the hip-hop and Easter Bunny. Wait to take that
3: picture,
1: Sarah. Because what? uh Did you I, hide it back there? I have here. Well, I just didn't want to drag it upstairs in my house. So I have here. So Laura and I had our anniversary last week, and this is, which I had sort of, in, to, in my defense, she and I had both forgotten about it. Uh, we just, uh, because, you know, cause we lived together for a long time and our wedding had been such a low key affair. There was only like four of us. Um, and so we had it actually on it. And every year we actually have to look at the record of that, of the wedding to figure out what day it was. Cause we can never remember. We always think it's the 21st and then it's not. It's like the 23rd or the 24th or something, but it was last week anyway. And we you know, we were still jet lagged from being out of this. we we completely forgotten about our anniversary, totally slipped our mind, until we received a package in the mail from our in laws. Our in laws who did not forget about our anniversary. Now if you were Didn't gonna your send in-laws us, give you this too. That's what I'm saying. They gave they gave us, Laura and I, for Easter the hip hop and know Easter what? Bunny.
2: Either they're not that bright, or they're the most brilliant people in the world. And you'll notice that bunny has never been disturbed since it was put up there.
1: No. All
3: the things that have been moved around this room.
1: No. Nobody touches the Easter bunny. They respect the hip-hop and Easter bunny. Um, so, so, if you were going to send someone an anniversary present, what I mean, what would compel you to send them, and I'll just hold this up for you now. I'll get you all's reactions, and then I'll describe it to everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, and by that I mean Tim and Sarah, I give to you the anniversary present that we received from my in laws.
2: Oh. oh, no. What?
3: <laughs> this, this is a. Um,
2: it's like. It's 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 Miss Piggy.
3: This is a. But with um, the mullet. This... It looks like Clyde Lewis with the big nose. <laughs> I'm sure Clyde appreciates that. we kind of turn it
1: around. He looks like one of the. Country, he looks like Harlan the country pig.
2: Harlan the country pig, <laughs> this your is your a... in
1: laws hate you, yes, they do. Um, so this is actually sort of a sibling toy, I think, to the hip hop and Easter bunny. Where would you find that? Uh, Utah. <laughs> 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 that, that's enough said,
2: country pig. So, is there a whole series
1: of these country pigs? I don't really know. Um, and it's says, it says on the back in big letters oink, <laughs> no, no quotes. No punctuation of any kind, just O-I-N-K. No period, no exclamation mark, oink. Um, so let me just describe this to you now. So this is about the same dimensions and the same material as the hip-hop and Easter bunny. It is a oh, stuffed... Oh, so it'll look, look good sitting up next to Oh, yeah, we're right? going to put it up there. We're going to start a whole... Because clearly they're on, the, like, this is a theme, right? There's a trend of my in-laws giving me these horrible gifts. So it's a stuffed animal of a pig. It is about eight inches high. And again, it's, you know, it's a stuffed animal. So the pig is wearing uh the pig is wearing uh a, a blue jacket with the collar up. The pig has both sunglasses and a guitar. Oh. Uh <laughs> it's uh it, the pig has a big gold belt buckle and the pig has spiky hair.
2: Oh man. So on the back he, it says You can't not play the pig any longer.
1: It says oink, and then it says below that, these are some pigs. It says mm. So his name is Harlan the Country Pig, and again I can't stress this enough that it's not just the sunglasses or the guitar; it is the sunglasses and the guitar and the spiky hair and the gold belt buckle that and the, that Harlan the Country Pig has.
2: So, and on the other side it says some pigs.
1: Yeah, let me uh, hold on. Let's see. Does it say anything? Well, let's find out, shall we? What do uh, you suppose the singing pig?
2: What me, do you I the, bet it's bad to the uh, uh, of the bone with spliced oinkings. No. Oh
1: no. No, it's not. It's actually not that bad, sadly. Oh. No, that's it's not that tacky. I believe this is sort of a theme gift because it was for our anniversary, but it was because Lara and I had just been traveling. We it's because we had just been uh traveling the world, she'd gone to Italy, i and we both is gone the to country London. Road? No, no, it's not I don't want to say it's not that good because I, I hate to impugn some of the artists that have that have performed this song in the past. So ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Harlan, the singing country pig.
10: That's smacking of the pig's mouth moving.
6: Sort of dueling
1: it out. out, Why would you give these to anybody? Why, in the name of God? So there you go. That is
2: the unnerving thing about that is the flapping, clicking jaw that's singing along. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if you could hear the click, 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 click. Here, I'll just give
1: this to you. You can put him up there with the Easter Bunny. Thank you so much. Now we have two. Christmas is coming up. I'm sure I'll be getting a like a Santa that sings a James Brown song.
3: Oh, I have a caveman. Preview, really? Too. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we, I don't know what to do with I that.
1: guarantee you, I guarantee you this, that when Christmas comes, I will get a Santa and he will sing Santa's Got a Brand New Bag, like James Brown.
2: I think he'll sing Jingle Bell Rock. <laughs> mm. All right. Uh, do we have caveman
1: stuff? Yeah, we do. Okay, let's do that and then we'll uh, welcome Jim Roop to the Rick Emerson Radio Program.
2: From ABC. This is the 12-time
7: Oscar-winning film, Top Gun.
5: Living of your.
3: seen karaoke it's good, He's good. I love The K-P. it's really good it's actually good
10: Highway to the zone we're gonna ride
5: into the danger zone the volleyball scene, are you kidding me in that
1: movie
7: okay what's he doing
1: Boiled up man and flapping like it's going out of style oh no volleyball
7: is he doing this again?
4: Yes, he is.
1: Ooh, we am going to eat chips
4: with Kelly McGillis.
7: That's the game I'm playing. Ew,
4: guitar it
7: up! Guitar it up! Oh, boy. Where's the danger zone? Woo!
1: Okay, should we uh, leave immediately? Yes.
7: Want wants to get my fighter jet? Cape
1: premieres Tuesday, October 2nd. One episode. Yeah, that's that- that's gonna last.
2: Come on, that wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I'm going to, I'll post it on my
1: blog. <laughs> I, that
2: was kind of funny. If you could see it, I think it was a little funny. It's
1: funny because it's the good, guy has a caveman, and he's pointing at his penis. Yes. You know what that is? I'm gonna tell you this right now. You know what this series is? Just based on that caveman, and it'll be, this will be posted to Tim Riley's blog. You know and you know what that is, <laughs> that's a Will Ferrell movie with facial hair.
2: See, I thought that, that sounded like Dane Cook.
1: Yeah, maybe. Mm. I could see that. that is, don't uh, want
2: Will Ferrell in with the Geico Caveman movie. Right? I'm saying, but I'm saying that's exactly what
1: it is. That's a, that's a Will Ferrell character, where he thinks he's a smooth ladies' man, but he's really a tool. I mean, that's every, uh, don't get it's me true. wrong, I like Will Ferrell, but every Will Ferrell movie is the same. Uh, they're all, you know, that's that's the thing. So that's exactly what that is. All right. You heard it here first. One episode. All right, let's welcome down to the Rick Emerson Show from Los Angeles. CNN radio correspondent James Roop. Hello, sir. Woo-hoo. So you're gonna be watching the big Geico caveman show tonight?
8: Uh no.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for that. See,
8: I have something else to do
1: tonight. Are you gonna be picking out socks? Rearranging the stuff, you know, busy, uh, busy watching flies walk across the kitchen counter or something.
8: <laughs> you know, I—it's I, not even if I, when I see the previews, it's not even the same guys that are in the commercial.
1: Right, I those know those guys are funny. They—they—they they, they couldn't even hire those guys. See, that's bad because
8: usually commercial actors are looking to get some sort of steady gig like, you know, a TV show
1: right. or a movie. How I mean, how bad is it when you're Geico commercial, you can't even convince the guys who are in the spot to come onto the television program? Yeah. My whole question is, is so this effectively is one long commercial for Geico? I mean, whether. That's Geico... how
8: everybody's going to look at it.
1: Yeah, it? I mean, whether Geico is releasing the rights to the characters or not, ge- clearly everybody is going to associate these guys with Geico. So it functions as a de facto info commercial for those guys. So my question is are they going to be selling spots inside the show? And if so, is Geico getting a piece of that? Or is Geico. They have some sort of veto right over who gets to advertise within the program? It is kind of fantastic. Well, that's a good question. The whole, I mean, it is. We, we've been talking about Geico a lot today, actually, talking about how Geico is sort of impressive because they've been firing on four different levels of advertising. They've had the caveman thing, the gecko thing, the I just saved some money on my car insurance, good news thing, and then the radio commercials were also like, My name is Smokey and I'm a tough biker, uh, and, which have aired all over talk radio. So are those Geico commercials? Those are Geico commercials
8: um, so... Which one is that dude, that stupid dude in that cowboy hat? What's that?
1: Uh, Is that a TV commercial or a radio commercial? TV commercial. Uh, See, I don't know. I'm so out of the loop on TV commercials because I have a TiVo, and so therefore I just don't see a lot of them. But, um, but I, you know, because it's a a maximum in advertising that you find one angle, one mascot, one logo, one slogan, and you just drive it into the ground forever.
8: Well, they're not my insurance company, so I
1: don't care. Now, I, uh... Well, it would be wrong of me to... Well, I'll simply state that um, I uh, at one at one time I was a Geico customer. Really? Yes. And I you, was. You in... had too many tickets. I didn't say that. Oh. That's you who said that, Jim. Roole. I didn't say that. I didn't. I didn't say that. It's because I hit a BMW. I, I didn't. I didn't hear you say anything. I like didn't that. say that. It's because I smashed into the back of a luxury car a couple of years ago, and then I got a. one own...
8: will insure you. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, Exactly. I didn't say that at all um that i'm i'm perceived to be a beyond the risk factors that they consider um that they consider a shrewd investment i am considered a, an undesirable client by some well,
8: people maybe there's a reason their mascot's a lizard
1: yeah i'm just that's, mm-hmm. that's you saying those things i i respect them and their advertising dollars
8: i respect them too sir
1: um all right well Brittany, so did we ever find out, so yesterday, did she or did she not do the handoff with the kids? still
8: don't know. I mean, there's, it, there's rumor and speculation, but there's no pictures of it. And if the paparazzi witnessed it, don't you think there would be pictures of her handing those kids over to We
1: uh, heard, now I don't know if this has been confirmed, Tim said that we heard somewhere today that one of her people had confirmed it. Is that true, Tim? Did one of Britney's people confirm this, or is that just speculation at this point? Do we
3: apparently Harvey Levin confirmed it on Larry King last night. So the TMZ guy thinks that it was the fact,
1: but I guess there's still no definitive comment. And from why can. they
8: have it... they seem to have tape of everything else. Why
3: couldn't they get that? TMZ also confirmed it today.
1: It's interesting because if you've gone to X17, X17 later on published more photos, some of which had Britney's kids, and there was X17 had a video they posted that uh, was clearly real that was of Britney going through the Carl's Jr. drive-through, and then later going to a friend's. But conspicuously, there was no spot in that video that showed her handing the kids over, although there is a photo that's come out today showing a woman who is apparently Kevin Federline's nanny um, pushing the kids in like a stroller. So,
8: but so, If there's no time stamp on that photo, I don't know that I...
1: Yeah, yeah. Who knows?
8: Until, until until I get it confirmed, it's it's rumor.
1: Yeah, it, it is. I mean, I guess we won't really know until Wednesday at noon. Right. Um. I think we we're still hoping that she has the kids and that there's gonna be some sort of armed standoff. That's what we're rooting for. Just some sort of a gun battle between Britney and the kids Kendall. in the back of the Bronco. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Kids out of harm's way, Brittany and Kevin, each with a gun at 10 paces. That's kind of what we're rooting for here. So this, if her people are already spinning this, though. as a whole lot of like, well, it's uh, it's because she didn't have a driver's license, which, you know, is a big load. It's because, I mean, you probably know more about it than we do at this point, but it's because well, she disregarded like 16 different things that the city had ordered her to do, right?
8: Oh, man, she was told to uh, submit the drug testing. She didn't do it. She wouldn't comply. She was told to enroll in parenting classes. Didn't do it um uh, she was uh I don't know, told to do a whole bunch of things she didn't do any of it and i think the judge at least everybody seems to speculate the judge said finally you know that's it either you jump through these hoops or we're taking your kids away temporarily and probably the hearing tomorrow is going to be in, going to involve the attorney saying all right let's uh let's work something out here let's, if if she does this because from what we understand too she's already applied for a california driver's license if she does this and if she does this can we at least let her visit the kids?
1: I mean, it's a big step uh, to take somebody's kids away indefinitely. I mean, especially in America where it is so hard for a dad to get custody oh, in the necessary. Yeah.
8: especially because courts are always favoring moms. And it's obvious they are because this judge bent over backwards to try and give her every benefit of the doubt. Without Because everybody's saying, how come he didn't take those kids away from her earlier? You know, the first time that she sat that kid on her lap in that car. Well, because if it was Federline who did that, yeah, he, he wouldn't have custody, wouldn't even have visitation rights.
1: It's hard for a mom to lose custody. That's a, right, they, son. They almost have to set the kids on fire, uh, you know, for for, the, for a judge to go, well... I mean, we're condoning that. Yeah, no, no, of course. But I'm saying, really, I mean, you almost have to start kicking your kids off a bridge somewhere yeah. for a judge to go, well, maybe you shouldn't have custody. Well, you know,
8: according to the courts, anyway, the mother is is the most integral part of the... Of the rearing of the kids, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're more nurturing. You know, my wife hugs my kids; I smack them. So it's—I mean, I can understand that to a degree. Uh, it's just—it's it's, my wife got mad at me yesterday because I threw my keys at my older son. Was, wasn't was, moving fast. Enough. Was he?
1: Was he? Was he asking for it?
8: Oh yeah! <laughs> Excellent. It's not like I threw him at his back. He was facing
1: me. <laughs> You—he saw him coming. Had a chance to duck. He's an idiot. <laughs> Should have caught him at least. Um. So. Anyway, so the, 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 this all happened, and I mean, so once that Kevin, you know, they say that possession is nine-tenths of the law and whatever, so now that Kevin federally has custody of the kids, it seems like it's going to take more than just Brittany kind of playing along sort of dutifully to get these kids back.
8: You know, I, I, I don't know that either
1: one of them really wants custody of these kids.
8: Well, I, I mean... You know, I think it's just something they're doing to each
1: other. I mean, if it is true... That she turned these kids over just a couple hours after being told to, that speaks volumes to me, if it's true. Yeah. The, you know, a whole lot of, um, you know, like, get, get these kids away from me as soon as possible kind of a thing. So.
8: Yeah, well, yeah. we're going to find out tomorrow.
1: Um, Yeah, and so that's the thing. So, where? So, at noon tomorrow, does she have to show up somewhere regardless? I mean, does she have to. Pardon Still me. Still not sure
8: to... if it's just a hearing for the lawyers. Um, to confirm that the handoff has taken effect, or it's happened, um, or if uh, they have to be there also, because I don't think the judge is finished with her yet.
1: Well, do you get the feeling, as I do, that the, and this is just my dinosaur psychology speculation on this, that it's just that because she was a star since she was like 15 or something or when she when when sarah she was on the mickey mouse club she was a disney kid yeah, right yeah she
2: was she's been in tv and stuff i think since she was like 7 or 8 so yeah, did,
1: well she she enrolled in that uh in
8: whatever that performing arts school is uh in Louisiana, New York, or wherever, um, when she was 10 years old, I think.
1: So you get the feeling that that just, A, because she was a breadwinner for a long time for that family, and B, uh, because then she fired all of her people and became an immensely wealthy adult, that there's no one has ever been able to tell her what to do. No one's ever said no to her. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why she just disregarded all of these judge instructions, because she's just, you know, people tell her to do stuff or, you know, or ask her to do stuff, and she's just used to being able to disregard it. Yeah. And I think, like Paris Hilton, like many other celebrities, they just they run across a judge who just doesn't cotton to that. They run across the wrong judge on the wrong day who, you know, doesn't like... You know, judges, the authority figures don't like being ignored and told no. Uh, so that's, I think, what really has hung her on this, is that she has just... You know, she has just acted like a brat to the wrong guy.
8: Well, I think people who care about this are probably thinking this could be a good thing for her. If, indeed, she has not handed over those kids yet, which, again, would speak volumes about whether she right. wanted them or not. Um, and she's hanging on to them until the last minute, and then she has to hand them over. The, the deputies have to rip the kids out of her hand as she's sobbing uncontrollably. Uh, then that could be the rock bottom she hit to turn her, act, uh, to turn her life around. Uh, but we don't know. We won't, we won't know till tomorrow. Again, for those who actually care about it.
1: I can, I can tell. I only care in as much as we just have a pool going on, you know, how long until she takes but a you got one of too, sleeping huh? pool. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, Sarah thinks it's going to be three months. Tim thinks it's going to be six. Uh, I think it's going to be nine. No one is really, you know, we haven't, uh, so everybody's on a different page timeline-wise, but we, all, we all are all convinced that it's just a matter of time until she reaches for a fistful of sleeping pills.
8: Well, uh, she's very, it's a very volatile situation, as they say.
1: Well, I mean, and it doesn't, it, you know, it seems like she's probably rich enough that there's a, you know, she doesn't really have anybody sort of around to, uh, you know, to, uh, to to keep an eye on her in, the, in, in for those things. So. she's rich
8: enough to get those pills without a
1: prescription. Yes, 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 she is. So... You know, so it'll either, you know, I don't know. She'll either pull herself out of it or, or she won't. I mean, it's, uh, you know, who's to say. But the next step in this is what? Is her uh, is her showing up to court, or her people at least, showing up to court on Wednesday?
8: Yeah, and then she's got, she has an album coming out in November, doesn't
1: she? That's true, and I, I did say this yesterday, to be fair, uh, that record of hers, that single she has, which is the Gimme More, that has been the most, that's been the number one selling song on iTunes uh, for... Uh, all over a solid week now. See,
8: she's got everything in the world to live for.
1: Yeah, well, so you would think. I'd, you know, I'll get right on telling her about that. So, get <laughs> right. Get, I'm all over that. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, as always, my friend, enjoy the rest of your day. We will. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you very much, y'all. There you go. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Jim Rupe in Los Angeles. Do A couple of these, and we'll take a break. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hey, Rick. What's up?
4: Hey, you know about that caveman show? I think they got one joke. Which is. Well, if they go out at night to the bar to pick up chicks, do you think they'll go clubbing?
1: <laughs> is that your own joke?
4: Uh, yeah, I just, you, it just popped into my head. Sorry.
1: You, oh, is my computer turned? I'm sorry. I don't know why this isn't. Uh, it's, it's my, uh, I wasn't prepared with the wah <coughs> I wasn't expecting. There we go. I, I'm sorry. I wasn't expecting quality humor, sir. Well,
4: <laughs> well done. That, yeah. That's their one joke. I mean, yeah. Clubbing. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. All right, bye now.
9: All right.
1: Hi, you're on the uh, you're on the Rick Emerson show. What's up? Hey, Rick Casey. What's up?
9: Um, I wanted to tell you. I listened to an interview this morning with one of the actors from the uh, from the Caveman show, and he said, according to him, the the guy who does the guy who's the Caveman walking through like the airport that Uh sees that, that sees the billboard. And then he's also the same one who's in like the CNN interview and something like, "Well, I don't like your attitude whatever." I he's love the airport one. one
1: the, is that the one the, which which airport are you talking about? The one where he's on the little conveyor belt? Yeah. Yeah,
9: yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But he's actually he's actually in the show. I think they said his character name is like Maurice or something. He's supposed to be like the the laid-back kind
1: of slickster. So they um, so they did manage to man kind of they guy. did manage to pull one of the guys from the commercial.
9: I think it's not one, maybe even both, but I, I I couldn't remember I can't remember the the main character, the one that was in the interview this morning. But all right, but then. I know at least one of them is in the is in the show.
1: You know what? I'm the first to admit I'm I'm a retard. I'll be watching it. I mean, I'll watch it. I'll watch it tonight, if only so in in ten years I can be one of those morons on VH1, uh, like you know who comes. Yes,
2: yeah, I know that you make fun of the Michael Ian Blacks of the world and everything, but you just ultimately because you are the because
1: I mean, that's, they're stepping on my turf. That's what I do. They well, the should stick with acting. Though, I'll stick with punditry. Yes, sir?
9: Yeah, I was going to say, the other thing, too, is that I was listening to the, to the interview, and most everyone, if you saw the trailer, if they saw the pilot for it, everyone that saw it basically said it's crap. And so they went back and retooled everything, recast some people, which is why I think that, One guy from the commercial was in it.
1: Aaron actually told me that too. He said that the pilot that is actually going to be on tonight, no one has seen because the original pilot, which they focus grouped and screened, was so bad. Right. Exactly. That they actually scrapped. They call. They don't call it. um, They don't call it scrapping it. There's a term. They call it retooling.
9: Right. That's what he said too.
1: Yeah. They retooled the the entire thing because the original pilot was so excruciatingly bad. So the pilot uh, that's going to launch tonight actually has been seen by literally no one outside the. Network as Carla, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't let the critics see it, and it's entirely different from the one that they originally aired.
9: And I think they did it because, from what I was, from what the interview was saying, and what he was saying, and probably Aaron knows this too, is that the the pilot was basically shot or done sort of like mid-season, so you don't get any background history. Uh, and I think that's what the the critics had a problem with, and they wanted to know, you know, they wanted to go back to the beginning and, and sort of how did the characters get who here? Who
1: are these thing. cavemen? As exactly. Yeah.
9: And so I think that's I think that's what it is. But I mean, it sounds it sounds promising. I'll I'll check it out. I mean, it's it's obviously it's worth
1: or- at least. One show. Of course, we're retards. We'll all watch <laughs> exactly. All right, congratulations, Geico and Casey. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, I was going to play for the break here, but my computer's acting up. Tim's not here to make snarky comments about Microsoft, but I'm having <laughs> to re- reboot my computer. You
2: you are always having to do that. I know. Way, your computer has the most problems that I've ever And been.
1: I run the same operating system here that I run at home, so it is... Anyway, we'll take a break here. We'll come back. Tim Riley around the corner, top five... Later on, Peter Carlin, who will talk about the uh, Caveman Show, among other things. Like us at three, Donna Mike at seventy. Said it's the Rick Emerson Show. Here's Ozzy Osbourne. Don't go anywhere. Why? Hello
3: there. It's the yes. No, oh, I'm just remarking. Sarah Dillon thinks that she has a sunburn, and I'm just saying there's a light on top of her, like the, the kind of keeps the, the sausages and the chicken warm all day in the deli.
2: That's kind of true actually, because I'm not. My face is turning red.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's 82 degrees here. here. I think you're. Uh, I think you're getting shiny. Yeah, I know. It's a hosing shot. It's, um, you need to powder your nose. It's the thermostat on the wall, by the way, is set at 58 degrees. It is currently 82 in here, 82 degrees and rising. Fantastic. They assure me that somebody's gonna come one of these any days. Any day now. Any any day now, somebody will come to look at as long as it's as long as it's fixed for Matt and Dennis on Saturday. That's really what matters. It could have
3: been the bat that flew back in here and bit the wires. No,
1: I don't I think we it turned out that it was a squirrel. Well, it could have been the squirrel. I'm yet. not gonna rule out squirrel sabotage though. At the Ministry of Truth, here's Tim Riley. E- now, of Truth, Tim Riley.
3: And now, from the Ministry of Truth,
1: this
10: is Tim
3: Riley. Welcome <laughs> guys, Slams his nice it's Mercedes into a back of the school bus the Northeast today, and the cops think he was possibly distracted by his laptop. Was he doing typing on the laptop while he was driving? It could have happened. Nobody was seriously injured. The bus driver and the kids are all fine. Uh, however, the whole front end of this Mercedes is just gone. This happened at the intersection of Northeast 140 at the Northeast uh, Gleason, and apparently the cops found an open laptop in the car. It's an area where bad things happen all the time anyway. That shouldn't happen. Oh, and, oh listen to this. In Touch Weekly is reporting there is a new sex tape in existence featuring Britney. This doesn't count the one she allegedly made with Kevin Federline. The guy who met Britney while she was on vacation in June tells In Touch he made a video of them having sex and that the tape tape might be made public.
1: Now wait, is this the guy that was in the hot tub with her? I don't know. What do I know of these things?
3: He's twenty eight years old. He was living on Hawaii's big island at the time. He said he left his camera rolling without Britney's knowledge. When they were having fun at a bungalow at the Four Seasons Hotel in the Kahala Host.
1: B- bungalow.
3: So, uh, apparently, he's holding back from releasing the video that he says is so disappointing because of his own performance, he's embarrassed to let the rest of the world see it. So. Oh. Well, that's both great and bad. I thought he. They met at a bar at 1 a.m. and ended up partying together in Britt's room before hooking up. It was just normal sex. We didn't do anything crazy. It was a little bit disappointing. It lasted about 25 minutes, and then we passed out. (laughs) Sexy. And it sounds like Brittany passed out during this act of love.
1: Oh, that's the... I wondered... That's just... No. That's what I'm saying, is I wondered where the disappointment would come in, because, okay, I guess 25 minutes isn't, I mean... You know, fine, that's it's not like you're setting a world record there, but it's not, mm. at least that's, that's not two minutes. I mean, if disappointing, when he said it was disappointing because of his performance, I thought that either A, he could not perform, mm-hmm. or B, you know, and however weird she may look in person, there's probably a certain, you know, some, asp- some excitement to the whole aspect of, hey, I'm having sex with Britney Spears. So I figured that maybe it was like a 90 seconds and done kind of a thing. But 25 minutes, that's, with Britney Spears, I would say that's nothing to sneeze at. Mm-hmm. So... If, it's disappointing because it was apparently so lackluster that she actually fell asleep while he was having sexual relations with her. And But what's great is that he apparently just continued. Just sort of a, Brittany, are you? You wake? Well, whatever. And then <laughs> finished right back to work. That's, uh, all right. Well, there you go. Is that illegal to videotape yourself having sex or someone with someone without their knowledge? I'm not sure about that. It may vary from state to state. If it's in your uh, residence, I wonder if... If it is illegal to videotape yourself uh, in flagrante with someone, uh, if, if it's at your place, I don't know the you know, answer. Somebody
3: listening must have been caught.
1: Pro- probably. Somebody out there must have been inadvertently taped during sexual relations. Scotty, have you ever been inadvertently taped during sexual relations? No, Rick. Have you been inadvertently taped? <laughs> I did
2: not expect his face to be right there.
1: <laughs> he came in stumbling. He came him. for a suntan. Have you been deliberately taped during sexual relations, Scotty? No, Rick. That was a pause. That was a no comment. There was a long pause there. I don't recall ever having <laughs> that's, sex. That's totally. That you, okay, that's a that's a non denial denial, is what that is. No, that's an admission. That's what I. It, I don't recall the, uh, that was a full on. I don't Ronald, recall
2: having sex. My two kids just came out of nowhere. <laughs> My
1: two kids were brought by a stork. My two kids came down the chimney, and Michael Palin picked them up off the ground. So that's pretty uh, that's pretty great. Actually, you tried to do a little Ronald Reagan there. I don't recall selling arms for hostages. The record seems to indicate that I did, but in my heart, I do not feel that that was the case. All right, well, here's uh, Tim Riley.
3: Well, the man accused of planning pipe bombs under four cars is pleading insanity. This guy's from Salem. See his picture? He looks like the type of guy to do it. Uh, Lonnie Glinsky waived his w- right to a jury trial. Witnesses in the trial say he is uh, a diligent bomb maker and is getting better at it. <laughs> well, well done. They say in August of 2006, the 45-year-old his Riggs, ex-wife's car with a pipe bomb and an attempt to kill her and gain full custody of their two children. Glinsky is also accused of planting three other pipe bombs under random vehicles he found in the Salem area. The bombs caught quickly uh, disarmed; those. Nobody could hurt. His lawyer now says uh, he did those things because he's insane. <laughs> <laughs> his former girlfriend, Lori, testified in Salem after uh, Glinsky tried once and failed that he vowed to try again.
1: Wow. Well stick-to-itiveness.
3: Somebody with the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, those are strange things to mix together. I have always wondered about
1: that, actually, that the same guy who's in charge of booze is also in charge of uh, nitroglycerin bombs.
3: Well, he testified that uh, Glinsky was making progress. He said if any had exploded, it would have been a lethal force. In all, he faces 17 felony charges, 13 counts of aggravated murder, and four counts of unlawful possession of a destructive device. If fans want Radiohead's new album in Rainbows, they can name their own price. The London Telegraph reporting Radiohead broke from tradition by allowing fans to pay whatever they want to download the album. Radiohead can sell its album from its original website because it's no longer tied to a record label. Fans can pre-order the new album or wait. With the October 10th release date, loyal fans might also want to pay the band something. Others can choose to pay the credit card handling fee. In Rainbows is the Radiohead's first album since Hail to the Thief. The band is famous for Creep, Paranoid, Android, and Karma Police.
1: I'm not a big Radiohead fan, but that is kind of cool, actually, mm-hmm. that you can just sort of opt to pay. Because, you know, the Radiohead is one of those bands that has a bunch of weird, freakishly devoted listeners, you know, that'll, that'll toss them like $30 or whatever for it. So that probably, and plus it makes them look like they're sticking it to the man. Mm-hmm. So, well done, Radiohead. Let's do one more, and then we'll do the top five, speaking of music.
3: Fred Goldman is entitled to O.J.'s gold Rolex watch. I'm sorry, I just spit my water up because I forgot that story was coming.
1: That is so great.
2: Best story ever. It, it is.
3: really is. But, I mean, I can just see, you know, Fred Goldman telling O.J. to lie on his back, getting some pliers and pulling the gold out of his teeth.
1: <laughs> really? Just uh, empty out your pockets right now. You just incinerate the rest of them. Uh, just But uh, Fred Goldman is... He will not be happy until he has actually sold O.J. Simpson's internal organs to some yes. sort of a, like a lab testing facility somewhere for $10.
3: So that ruling comes on the judge. He ruled uh, uh, request for items seized in Vegas. Um, also, oh, he must ask for them individually if he wants them now that he knows they exist. The judge ruled on the items during hearing... That'll be held no longer uh, later the next Tuesday. Attorneys for Goldman can go to Vegas to receive the watch and get it appraised before the judge rules October 16th.
1: This is so great. So if he just sees OJ with anything, yeah, like you know, I want those shoes, and so just, your honor, and the honor goes take the shoes and issues like a separate order for every possession. There, there just is the great thing about this OJ Simpson thing is it's now reached the point where just I, I have no idea who I like in the story, who I don't. It's just everyone is a different degree of loathsome. I yep. mean, really, it, it, it is... You've got to hand it to Fred Goldman though, that he's a, he is a man with a plan. I mean, he just, you know, he has a mission, and he uh, he sticks to That's
3: it. That's what he does for a living.
1: <laughs> really, what do you do? I take OJ's stuff. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, all right, so let me read this. Oh. Let
3: me read this. What might this be about?
1: Uh, this is about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I'm not going to list... Want? I'm not going to... The, the one. Well, they just released the nominees. Um... So uh, I'm gonna uh, just read you now the artists. I will not read you the artists nominated uh, because we'll get to those here in just a second. Um, I'm gonna read you uh, the glaring omissions, and the, the headline of this says it all again. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame continues to anger Rush fans worldwide. It's not Rush
3: it's Limbaugh fans?
1: No. Oh. Uh, the uh, and, and I, you know it, it does sound like a Doyle Redland thing, but um, so Rush again. They were they were uh, uh, eligible, but they got passed over. So here's a list of the bands passed over again this year. Cheap Trick, Tom Waits, Sonic Youth, Metallica, and whatever one thinks about Metallica in their current incarnation and in their post-black album state, the idea that Metallica is somehow an unimportant band in the world of rock is just retarded. Uh, they passed over Rush again, again. I would think that Rush would have been a long time ago because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame guys are just nerds. I mean, the guys who are in charge of nominating people for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame are just a bunch of, just a, a, a bunch of bespectacled tools. And I mean, no disrespect to Rush fans, but I mean, come on now. Um, and then also passed over Weird Al Yankovic.
3: That's just wrong. That is too
1: bad. Weird Al Yankovic really ought to be in there. Uh, alright, Scotty J, can you please, uh, can you please come now to the, uh, to the, uh, the, whatever we could, the studio? I wish I knew how to quit you. Please put you on the mouth. Please let me.
7: Good morning, Metolia.
1: All right, so what I've done is I've given Scotty J the entire list of Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, nominees, and of them, he has picked uh, those that he believes to be the most deserving, Scotty. So these are what these, of all the bands that are nominated this year, these are the acts that you believe to be the most deserving of induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is that correct?
7: That is correct. All right, ladies and
1: gentlemen, let's roll the top five. Five, four, three, two, one,
10: fire.
0: Counting is wonderful. Counting is marvelous. Counting is the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you?
1: All right. These are the top five rock and roll Hall of Fame nominees who are the most deserving, according to Scotty J. Here's Tim Riley.
3: The mention: The Ventures and Walk Don't Run. Climbed to number two at 1960.
1: Did it? Oh, I'm sorry. I keep turning it down there. This is not. This is not the original. It song. is actually,
7: and then in 2002 or something like that, they this made another not, one. This is not.
1: This is not. This is not the original Walk Don't Run by The Ventures. No. no.
7: It was slower or, fa- or this fast. It was
1: slower. It's it's yeah. It was it doesn't slower. Doesn't sound like that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's wrong. <laughs> and it's a different song. Yeah, this is completely not the original Ventures' Walk Don't Run. I mean, I'm not. This I is a
3: music version.
1: Yeah, this is this is a bad. This is either a bad cover version. Um, or this is a different version of the Ventures.
7: Well, the Ventures did it several versions. I mean, yeah, I know this they is did one of their of the later one
1: 2000. This is not the original single version of Walk Don't Run.
7: But this this was this one was not done in
1: 2000. this, no, this is this, this is the right composition, but this is completely the wrong recording. <laughs> this is some weird like party at the beach version of the song. Some weird
7: shindig. Well, version. they were known for their beach People throwing...
1: You're talking really weirdly, like but, you're looking for each word. Well,
7: I was going to say Beach Boys, and I kind of kept myself from saying Like guys you know. sitting around in a circle throwing some blonde around. It's
1: surf totally. music, you know? <laughs> totally.
7: They were known for surf music sound.
1: Getting rid of the Gorilla Weenie.
7: I almost picked Hawaii Five O to play as one of their songs. Did but... they do the Hawaii Five O beat? They did. And they've uh, influenced tons of other bands uh, with with songs that you know.
1: Boy, you know, I, I don't even really like this song, but I can sing it note for note. Wow. I don't even know why I know every note to this. I guess it's because I was an oldies jock and I had to play it like a hundred times a Maybe day. Maybe you did this in karaoke. <laughs> yeah, do this one karaoke. I wonder if this is on guitar hero. Alright, here's uh we're doing the top five most okay, so that's the ventures. Uh so Scotty believes they ought to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
3: Number five is Chic with Dance, Dance, Dance. See, this is where you Yelza, start to...
1: Yelzer, Yelzer, Wandering off the reservation. Yes. What is now, they
7: only have three songs that I really even know of, uh, but apparently they've... Well,
1: they had know. this, they had Good Times, mm-hmm. they had La Freak. That's it. They had...
7: Uh, did they do Tour de France? I think so, but I don't even know how that song goes right
1: now. The idea that you somehow believe this ought to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs>
7: Well, who are the other three people that we could choose from?
1: I'm looking at. Well, when the list is done, we'll go back to your omissions here. But I mean, describe now to me the either rock or roll elements of this song.
7: Zero. Okay, thanks. Jeez. Here's well, the. At deal. least we're on the same page. We.
1: Uh can only pick from nine people. Nine
7: that people get nominated, and you're, and you're screwed. And it's like, where where is Rush? Tiffany's going to beat Rush, by the way, to the H- Rock and Roll Hall of
1: Fame. I, I guess to be fair, it is true that you're having to pick these from among the really lame nominations given by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. I mean, it's to the point where I'm no longer even really angry about it because they're just... It really is just like a pack of baboons over there, uh, you know, just like randomly picking letters out of a bag to come up with the nominations. I mean, really, it's just—it's it, like they have a horse pawing out the nominations on the floor of a barn somewhere. <laughs> and this year, why would this be nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Here, I mean, honestly,
7: here is the thing: this year, two thousand eight is going to be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame of disco. Because
1: that's—I mean, look at this list. It just doesn't—it just doesn't even make any sense that this would be nominated. I mean it. Just it's just stupid. All right, these are the top five nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of <laughs> Number
3: four, Donna Summer with "On the Radio." Now I only pick this song
1: because this is because it's on the radio. Yes, yeah, more of your clever wordplay. I didn't even know the song existed. What is this? Boy, on the radio from Donna Summer, eight nine seven. Five beats a minute. No, no. Jesus. Just picturing a lot of rooms filled with bad, dented mahogany and, like, like red velour. Screaming Ron Leonard would have played this on this very radio station when this came out. Is that true? Yeah. And to
7: think Van Halen made it last year, and now these are the people that are voted this year. And besides, they had to change the name from Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to... Music to Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, I mean, to what out-of-touch white guys think ought to be in the uh, in the Hall of Fame? Apparently, I mean,
7: I really do not know what color the people were that were voting. right?
1: No, this the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is relentlessly white. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I mean, it is just, it is. They're not just as uh, as one of the Barrett brothers over at Coin would say. They're not just a white group of guys. They're boomer white. They're kink white. I mean. Why is it
2: all like this crap disco? That's what I'm saying.
7: I told you, this it's the disco. Your 2008 is the disco Hall of Fame year. Oh, God. Oh,
2: no, no, Yes, bad.
7: yes. <laughs> In fact, they can have their own little 2008 disco section when, when these
1: people No, really, it. I mean, really, honestly, only... I, who would possibly listen to this? Who but a guilty white liberal rock critic? would listen to this and decide that this needed to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who but like Dave Marsh would listen to this?
7: I would never feel guilty. Why would I pay... This is terrible. Donna Summer is not bad, but why would I ever pay respects to her? This is the
1: last year officially that anybody needs to care about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Really, honestly, this is the last year anybody ever needs to even remember they exist. This list is all you ever need to know about disregarding the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame from this day on. All right, number three. Number three is the Beastie Boys with Slow Ride. I mean, at least the Beastie Boys have... They changed something. Well, they were an important group. They have rock elements to a lot of their songs. And the Beastie Boys did develop into an actual live rock band at a certain point. And they have a lot of hip-hop still in what they do. I mean, at least you can argue that the Beastie Boys are a rock act. Going back to Rush and Cheap
7: Trick, how is it that they get snubbed and Donna Summers is there, and the guys are feeling guilty about nominating her? I don't get
1: it. It's it's because... (laughs) I don't know. I can't even process it. You know, I love the Beastie Boys, but... Goddamn, damn, this is just a ridiculous album. I mean, it's great. Don't get me wrong. License deal is fantastic, but it's fantastic for all the same reasons that it's just stupid. All right, here's Tim Riley and number two, John Mellencamp and Wild Night. I mean, it's kind of insane that John Mellencamp isn't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already. The phone. Oh yeah, there's nothing wrong with John Mellencamp. He's got a billion hits. And you know what? And don't don't take any crap from people who tell you that there is something wrong with John Mellencamp. There's nothing wrong with him. John,
3: back in the days when he was Johnny Cougar.
1: Yeah, well, his first couple albums were kind of corny. Uh, but, you know, John Mellencamp has really become one of America's preeminent singer-songwriters. Uh, and anybody who tells you that is just lying or trying to be too hip for the room. They're just trying to be cooler than they are. You know, you look at John Mellencamp as one of those guys that you look at the list of singles he's had, and you will be staggered by how many songs he's written that you know word for word. And this is sort of late era John Mellencamp, relatively late era. But I mean, you That's even this is a big it just hit. Was yeah,
7: I mean, I could have picked Pink Houses or I, any well, of mean, that it, stuff. It, but just, it the of number it. of
1: songs that John Mellencamp took to the top ten is just astounding. I mean, the guy, and he wrote them all until The guy is just a hit machine. I mean, he's just uh, he, absolutely, and he's the real, authentic deal. I mean, he really is. You know, another, you know, another guy who's never been even nominated to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Meatloaf. I mean, bad of the Hell" is only one of the biggest goddamn selling records in the history of the planet, you know. But he'll—I'll guarantee you—that Meatloaf will never get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Not in the next ten. It'll, I think take, you have it'll to have take more than one ten years. hit or one album, right? Well, well, clearly not, since Sheik has been nominated. <laughs> Seriously. True. I mean, The Ventures.
2: Meatloaf has released many albums.
1: And Meatloaf has released many albums. Uh, you know, Meatloaf has—Meatloaf had at least two records, uh, which went multi-platinum. Uh, and he's a significant figure in the history of music and Bad Out of Hell is one of the purest distillations of American rock ever recorded so there's Scotty yeah in your face Scotty so
7: they were Bad Out of Hell and Bad Out of Hell 2 right that's what I'm saying
2: and then Bad Out of Hell 3 the monster is loose Yeah. <laughs> alright and it's hard for me
1: to be annoyed about this next one just because she is rock and roll in spirit if nothing else Tim Riley and a long last Tim. wait one. hold on isn't this song filled with profanity Scotty the, uh, no, the one coming
7: here. up, I sure hope not. I don't think so. Is oh, God, are you it re- isn't. It really? isn't. You've got to to
2: separate uh, like, hope from actually knowing that it not.
7: It isn't. Well, crank it
3: up and pull out the knob. And keep wait, your wait, finger wait, on the wait, cultural wait. pulse. Do we... Uh, Let's try are the good.
2: microphones and give me the the name.
3: It's... Uh, it's.
1: Are we sure that that song... I'm, I'm pretty sure it's clean.
2: I'm pretty sure... Sh- it is.
1: I, w- I never even You keep it vacillating, back back to okay. it is, and I'm pretty
7: sure. Why do you think that it is? Because I never even thought twice about this being bad.
2: Yeah, and also, yeah, but that's usually movie things where you don't think twice about... Well, we got our fingers
7: over the cultural pulse of... Somebody better know? have their the over being the dump cultural pulse.
3: <laughs> what
7: are you talking about? The dump button. But I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I... <laughs> it's a total uh, brand-new song
1: on the Confessions Tour.
7: There's some
2: questionable... Yeah, I,
7: don't, there
1: is? I, I don't know. You know, she has... You know, she screwed us before. Like with that American Life song. Oh, is yeah. there... Do we have hung up? Can That's you a can much I, can I look? song? Hold on. Here, wait. All right. Well, but should she say... Does she say the F word or does she say F off? I don't know.
6: It says F.
1: This is a live version of the song, by the way. Mm. Uh, But the artist is Madonna, incidentally. Yes, it's up the New Confessions (laughs) Tour
3: CD, Let's give
1: it a little sample. if If on the recording she says F off and this is a live version of the song, what do you think that Madonna probably does? Let's all think. Do you suppose Madonna live in concert says F off or do you suppose she actually says the word? I think she
3: says
7: the word. Well, do, do we have a recording Do we have an alternate song? We can pick something else. Yes. I keep wanting for I All you got to do is go to the RES looking, or the Madonna file. Well, ED we'll music. Wait,
3: wait real time. <laughs> Can't
1: wait. <laughs> Thank you. We'll just play this instead. Thank you. Well, I guess number one's Madonna, huh? <laughs> yeah. And I picked that song because. <laughs> Are we so
7: week, transparent? Sarah, Sarah, you were back from New York, so See, I thought it was kind of. It's another I one know, of his. Kooky, kooky. It would have ruined the whole show, Scotty. It would have ruined my day had she swore on the radio.
1: Yeah, it would have have ruined more than just (laughs) today. Such a great
7: song. Okay, now Madonna belongs in this. I, I can agree with absolutely. that. It's not, it's not considered rock and roll, though. Oh, I guess you know, everything's rock and roll at this I, point, right?
1: I would say I would say more than any of the... I mean, not more than any of the other artists, but I would say more than any of the other dance artists on this list, Madonna is certainly rock and roll in spirit. I know that sounds like a corny thing to say, but it is true, because she... Madonna's career has been... Very sexual, very confrontational, a lot of elements of Madonna's career, whole sections of her career. Is this a ringtone
2: or something we're listening to? No, I thought it, because um, it starts off kind of muffled, and I thought it would change. It's not.
1: <laughs> it's not really changing. <laughs> I thought I had. Yeah,
7: you do. It's in the music file. There's a whole bunch of Madonna stuff. It's in the R.E.S. music file. Such an aborted bit here. Where would that be, Scotty? So, would you say the curtain has been opened?
1: Oh, jeez. So I I'm not s- sure what we're doing at this point. I would I would say that um, I would say that Madonna, in many ways, uh, is sort of I think I've got it over here, Sarah. We'll just go into the break with okay. this it's worst top five ever. All right. <laughs> not by my choice though. I would say that Madonna, in many ways, is, is rock and roll in spirit. Though a lot of whole sections of her career have just been a big middle finger to everybody. Um, you know, so. I mean, I would, I would, I would have no problem with Madonna getting into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I have no issue with that.
7: Now, who are the other three out of the nine?
1: Oh yeah, worked? by the way, and you can f right off because you passed over the Dave Clark Five, and you passed over Leonard Cohen. I can't stand Leonard Cohen. Sorry. Oh, you have to leave the studio now. You have to leave the studio now. I shall before we have you pummeled. Don't, no, don't, Just don't, don't get, don't start with hating Leonard Cohen in here. Just take that somewhere else, friend. All right. Well, that was a great top five. Well done, everybody. Congratulations. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim. I'm sorry you had to be a part of it. And I'm sorry we do we ruined the Madonna reveal.
3: Yeah, we kind of did, didn't we?
1: <laughs> yes, we did. That was a big abortion. Hooray for me.
3: Well, that's what I love about live radio. We could have edited that on a a sidetrack, whatever they call that. We could have put
1: that on a Vox Pro and done it repeatedly over and over and over again, endlessly polishing and fixing every syllable one at a time till it was nothing that even remotely resembled live radio. All right.
3: I think I've heard something like that before.
1: Not in this building.
3: Not
2: down the hall.
1: Shh. We'll take that out later. We'll take that out on the Vox Pro. Back after this with Peter Carlin and more of Tim Riley. Stay there. It's The Rick Emerson Show. to radio program there's Leonard Cohen that's from I'm Your Man um, you may also reckon, if you've seen the movie Secretary he also sings um, I think he's the only non-score song in the movie Secretary with Maggie Gyllenhaal and James Spader he sing, uh, they play the title track I'm Your Man during that mid-movie montage of her being her being like tr- trussed up and like I don't know dangled from a hook in the ceiling or whatever the hell it is that movie the Secretary or Secretary whatever it's called so there you go. There's uh, Leonard Cohen, uh, also known to Jeff Buckley fans. as the guy who originally wrote the song uh, Hallelujah. So, uh, and uh, to pump up the volume fans, is the artist behind it. Everybody knows. Uh, all right. It's uh, 503-733. What a creepy song. The first, when I met Laura, I don't think she'd ever heard Leonard Cohen. And I played her a bunch of stuff off of uh, I'm Your Man, which is sort of the late period masterwork by that guy. And I think her first comment when I played her something by Leonard Cohen was, I don't ever want to be in a room alone with this guy's voice. So he does have sort of a creepy, there is sort of an I'm coming That's to funny. kill you. Oh, he
2: does. Something keeps killing you alive.
1: Totally. <laughs> he and Lou Reed have that same, sort of, that same sort of weird, talky, I'm a cyborg coming to cut out your eyes kind of a sound. Um... All right, it's 503-733-2970. Got a couple of these calls. Hey, Scotty, do we, have we Peter Carlin coming up? No, we have Peter Carlin coming up today, like, I don't know, five minutes ago? Something like that? Well, we'll look into it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. What's up? Hello? Yo, Rick. Hi, hello.
5: Hey, I was just calling about the Ventures. Uh You know, being the pop culture guy you are, I didn't realize you weren't familiar with them, but I'm really surprised they're not already in the rock and roll. Well,
1: no, I mean, I know who the Ventures are. I'm just not, I mean, like everybody else, I have a 45 of walk, don't run at home, and I know they did. The Ventures were one of the... I don't know if they were one of the first surf acts, but they were a surf rock instrumental group, and they did a whole bunch of covers of various pop culture songs. Scotty noted that they you were know, the Hawaii Five-O theme and, and whatever. It's just, there's yeah. a little, like, surf rock is one of those things, like, rockabilly to me, where a little of it holds me for, like, six months.
5: Oh, I completely agree. It was it was like before much, Dick Dale and before the Beach Boys, there were the ventures. I just, they yeah, were doing crazy stuff in the
1: 50s. Dick Dale Dick Dale's another one of those guys who's massively influential, massively talented, and it's like I hear a Dick Dale record, you know, about forty minutes of it, and then I'm good for a few months. Is I went
2: and saw Dick Dale on Friday. Was he great?
1: It. Oh, it was amazing. Because he's he's like a hundred years old, and he still plays really mm-hmm. well. He's amazing. Um, it's just uh, you know, it, it, it's just I, it, that's a, that's a glass that fills up pretty quickly inside my inside my head. So yeah.
5: thanks, Rick. Best whoever. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello.
5: Hey, Rick. Dante, the cab driver. What's up, sir? Uh, as far as Scotty J not like not enjoying Leonard Cohen's music, yeah. that's a beating.
1: Yeah, no you're right, it really is.
5: And I'd also like to say that uh there are other Meatloaf albums out there that uh do not have Bat or Hell in the title.
3: No, that is that is true.
5: And namely uh two of the greatest ones, uh, Dead Ringer And Midnight at has,
1: the Lost and Found, is the Oh other one.
5: Midnight at the Lost and Found. Yeah great album. Also um one of the last ones that he did before he went into uh deep deep obscurity back in 87 I think it was was called Bad Attitude. And that was still just a fantastic album.
1: He did, and they all follow the same formula and a lot of the um a lot of the Meatloaf albums that he did in the dark years uh, you know but b- between Battle of Hell and Battle of Hell 2 had um you know, had songs written by Jim Steinman, they just weren't it, it really having a full creative partnership at that point. Dead Ringer, the title track to Dead Ringer, is a really great song, and it's a duet with Cher, of all people. It
5: um, is. It's an amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing track. It's just so fast and so furious, and it's got that that, that Steinman-esque sort of uh, yeah, you know, rock anthem stuff. And going you know, on. Paul,
1: and and Jim Steinman is so good with the turn of a phrase. You know, like the uh, you know, he's so good with that. Um, is, like that song "Read Him and Weep," you know, where he's talking about he's talking about the eyes. You know, I look at your eyes and I read him and weep. And there's in uh, dead ringer says I don't know what it is, but it's a real dead ringer for love.
5: Yeah, yeah, no. He, if he weren't writing rock and roll in the style that he is, he should be writing country.
1: Uh, well, I was just gonna say, actually. Just this morning, um, there's a band. I put put a whole big blog posting about this band. I don't know, maybe month, month and a half ago. There is this local uh, rock band. They're kind of a southern rock band. They're called, kind of an odd name. They're called the Bubba Speed is the name of the band. B u b b a Speed. Uh, And I think it's just myspace.com/slash Bubba Speed. But they have this song that is called "Let's Go," which is probably the closest thing I have ever heard to if Jim Steinman wrote country songs. It's just, and it's got all the elements. It's got the the kid and his girlfriend stuck in the one horse town, and it's got all the we've got to get on the road and get out of this, get out of this place, and it's yeah. got to, we're gonna, you know, and it's got to, you know, there's only one chance to make a break for it while our while, while our love is still young, and it's just, it's, it's so great. Uh, I cannot, uh, I, I am paid nothing to say this. I cannot push this band enough myspace.com slash bubba speed just like it sounds if southern rock or if you know kind of country rock isn't your deal you may not like it but god damn it is so good it's just i will it's amazing
5: definitely check it out definitely i will check it out yeah so So, a horrible movie great score Streets of Fire, dude. Streets of you Fire. Like yeah. Streets of Fire.
1: Um, Streets of Fire. Another great. See, now I'm just nerding out. And um, the Streets <laughs> of Fire has more of that great Simon wordplay where he says, um, um, there's nothing wrong with going nowhere, baby, but we are what well, we should be going nowhere fast. Well, and with
5: Sarah coming from Bremerton, she should really sit down <laughs> yeah. and watch this movie. Yeah, you take a look at it because it does. It's, I swear to God, it looks exactly like downtown bremerton yep
1: no i'm i'm with you on that thank you sir
10: all right
5: thank all right, you there you Bye.
1: go no that's um steinman does the um he does the uh, uh uh just that word play that really is almost country style the way he makes it work so um yeah that that line and uh, that line in nowhere fast where he says um um he says something you got to get away from the past there's nothing wrong with going nowhere baby as long as you're going nowhere fast, which is so great. I mean, what? I don't even know what it means. I don't even know what it means, but it's just wonderful. Uh, another great line that he put in the mouth of Meatloaf is that line about, um, uh, you know, uh, you're only killing time and it'll kill you right back. I mean, Man, who writes new, that?
2: The new Meatloaf album is, uh, you know, it's so bad. But there are some lines yeah. in that, that are that get stuck in my head for yeah. days and oh. I still love it. And it's it's my secret shame. I'll I'll drive around well, singing
1: love. It's I can't I cannot say anything bad about that. I just can't. So I, I saw you looking something up over there. Were you? Were you no, I'm trying to
2: find to? the thing that you asked me to find earlier.
1: I don't even know what to about now. Oh that yeah. yeah. Okay. For
2: me be more difficult than I thought. Oh uh, well we
1: should I don't know where Peter Carla went to. He's vanished. Peter gone a long time. So I oh, see and I say it and then there he is. Or is this Peter Carlin? If this is him, it's awkward because we're going to have to take a break here. If he can – there was no one there. All right. Uh, fantastic. Okay. So um I'm unsure about this. Um Okay. I'm going to play us into break here. I will go ahead and do this. So I'll play us into break. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Tim Riley, perhaps Peter Carlin, if not. There's always other things to get to. So this is the aforementioned uh, Bubba Speed. Uh, this is a song called Let's Go, which, again, you know, if, uh, I don't know, you hear past the country, and you, you, if you look for and you'll hear it in this. So off their self-titled EP, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Bubba Speed, this is called Let's Go uh, on the Rick Emerson Show. Let me make sure that I'm actually turned up over here. Uh, we'll be back after this. Don't go anywhere. We return momentarily. Is this... What the hell? Oh, I have this. I guess that would help if I had everything turned up, huh? Hi there, I'm retarded. Is my computer up? There we go. Back after this, it is the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. We return next with Tim Riley, the Ministry of Truth.
10: Down, that we call home, but I ain't never seen better than you,
4: and I'm sure
1: All over your face. Yeah, that's pretty bad. That Meatloaf song. Right. No, I'll bring that Brian Wilson song tomorrow. It's when he was uh, clearly under the spell of this crazy psychiatrist named Eugene Landy, and full of drugs, by the way, and also a paranoid schizophrenic. So yeah, somebody said, Hey, this rap thing is so big. Brian Wilson of the Beach Boys, why don't you record a rap song? Said, okay. You know, and then he just, and then he went to the studio and recorded it, and it's just as bad as it sounds. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior, Tim Riley. And now, from the
3: Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. A beautiful Mercedes rear ends a school bus in Northeast, and the cops think the guy may have been distracted by a laptop. Is there a wireless internet as you're driving down the street, I wonder?
1: Uh, in Northeast?
3: Yeah. I can't
1: imagine that <laughs> there is.
3: Maybe he was looking for it. And ran to the back of a school bus in a beautiful Mercedes. Now it looks like an accordion. He uh, he ended up pushing the bus and wrecked the whole front end of the car.
1: It is sort of grimly satisfying to see somebody in a car that you could never afford to completely destroy it, though. There is
3: something sort of perversely amusing about that. So he's been ticketed for careless driving, driving all suspended. And an open laptop was found in the car. Going to lose his kids. Never yep, could happen. This happened at uh, in Northeast. I had the street earlier. Oh. 14508 Northeast Gleason. So there may be still be some broken glass here if you want to stop by and check it out. A mother in Virginia is using an unusual way to find a suitable kidney donation for ailing son. She went on the Craigslist and the classified ad section to put in an ad that says, Help, desperately need kidney.
0: Actually, I've gotten quite a few calls and emails from as far away as California with people wanting to donate. Desperate so it's been kidney. very heartwarming.
3: He's had kidney problems for years.
0: He's been sick all of his life. He was born with a bladder defect that caused his kidneys to fail. And he's been on dialysis now for almost four years, and time is running out for him. And I'm just trying to do everything I can to try to give him a chance at a full life.
3: So we'll see what happens. Well, okay. uh, Ford mortality sales have plummeted 21% for the month. Weren't they doing bad already? Who is this, Ford? Ford.
1: Oh, I thought it was, I thought we were talking, oh, that was GM we were talking about. It's a they're bad time They're always doing to bad. How does GM survive? They're
3: always doing bad, yet they're still there the next day. Every every
1: time they're in the news, it has laid off 30,000 workers. Yeah. As expected, a profit drop
3: in the fourth quarter. See, their sales were flat, it says. GM? Yeah, despite a month of difficult labor negotiations and a two-day strike by United Auto Workers. Uh, they produced 30,000 fewer vehicles because of the strike. But the walkout had no impact on sales.
1: 30000 vehicles, which clearly no one was getting ready to buy anyway if sales were flat. Yes, yes, keep cranking out those vehicles.
3: Oh, but uh, sales on trucks were up uh, 4%. Ah. On the strength of the Chevy Silverado and uh, some other new pickups. (laughs) The Silverado, which is a what? Truck. Okay, thanks. Now, my wife likes to drive. Your wife likes to drive. Mm
1: W-A-F, WAF. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I'm all doing right. salesperson acting.
1: <laughs> is that how you, is this the salesperson as he would be acting at the spot for the client?
3: Yes. Or as or, he's or on the air. We act- have a couple of those here. First he sounds different, then all of a sudden he has a laugh.
1: He's acting it out for the client, then acting it out for the production director mm-hmm. uh, tediously so that the production director can know how to emit and then acting it out. And here's the other thing. You'll get uh, AE sales guys who desperately, desperately wish to be actors And you can hear it because they'll write, and everybody who's ever worked at a radio production department knows this. Well, you'll get a commercial turned in that is written like, I mean, it's written like Macbeth. I mean, with 15 different speaking parts, nine different sound effects, three music changes, and a costume change halfway through. And, you know, meanwhile, what is it? Well, it's, you know. People walking in noisy
3: shoes, but it really, isn't that like, (laughs) (laughs) like, clonk, clonk, clonk? Somebody, okay, now. Somebody's at the door. (laughs)
1: You know, and it'll be a commercial for well, what is this commercial for? Well, it's for a carpet store, you know. And then and, and you'll read the copy for the commercial, and it's like the scene is London, 1650. Fog sweeps the cobblestone streets, and you're like, what? I, this is for a drapery store. What are you talking about? And you know, and it's all written that way so the AE it can do you know, like some Irish brogue that he's been perfecting in his basement
3: for the last 12 years. uh all right, good times. Uh, so uh, Toyota's overall uh, decline compared to last year has been led by its trucks. Apparently, a Toyota truck isn't considered a manly thing to be driving. However, the uh, Toyota hasn't kept up with some of the more popular vehicles like their subcontract Yaris. You know anyone who drives a Yaris? A Yaris. Why are you leaving a Yaris? You, are, you are those a, those cute little cars? I suppose like so. Side, those are really neat. But I guess people want them, and they're not, they're not building them quickly. Are anymore. you using? Are you leaving a letter oh. off of those? Y A R I S Yaris. Yaris. There is not Mrs. Yaris. I got a of my Yaris. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But they're confident that the next few months will put them back on track over at Toyota. Fantastic. Honda sales are up by nine percent because those cars last forever. Well, now is Honda. Now are they the ones that make the Prius? I think so. Yes, and they make the Accord. I Which saw, is the, the most heavily stolen car there is? Well done.
1: I saw. Well, maybe that's why there's so many of them being sold because you're constantly having to replace them. Oh, that makes I
2: sense. I need a new Accord. By the way, my friend Amanda's car was stolen a couple days ago. Really? Oh. And she finally got it back, it just like yours, jaw riding out of gas, except for her seats weren't stolen. They left the windows down, and they were completely soaking wet. Uh, oh, a holes. And she was uh, she was um, what kind of car is it? Job-shadowing for a new job. A Subaru, oh. like a Subaru station wagon thing. It's pretty old though. It's like a ninety. 90 Wait, something. Amanda
1: with the uh, with yeah. the tattoos. Amanda pants.
2: No, not Amanda no, Pants. No, Amanda. Oh. Neither one. Amanda... There's Amanda with no pants. I should say, her name's Amanda Hug and Kiss.
3: Oh, Amanda Hug and Kiss.
2: Amanda Hack, yeah.
3: Hmm. But
1: why did you just say Amanda Pants? That's her name. How do you know Amanda Pants? That's well, just I weird. Hear,
2: I hear discussions about her all the time. Okay. We all know Amanda Pants.
1: I guess it's just kind of weird. Um, what was I going to say? Blah, blah, And they blah. found it right near your house, by the way. Really? Of course they, uh-huh. of course they did. I'm amazed. I, can I just tell you this, how sad this is? When I, I was amazed that when Laura and I got back from overseas, our truck had not been stolen. Hey, I had just I sort of assumed. you were amazed
3: that your house hadn't been broken Well, that too.
1: <laughs> no, I just sort of took it as read. I just took it as given that when hey, we got
3: take my car. We're not here.
1: Well, because it, look, if they, if they see that the signs that the house is basically unoccupied for you know a week, week and a half, whatever it was. And clearly, they've stolen that truck three times already. I just assumed that all those factors together would mean the truck was going to be gone when we get home. I was astounded. Like, so much so that, like, I wasn't even that worried. I'm like, well, the truck will be gone when we get home. I had just assumed, and yet it was still there. So it was kind of surprising. I saw the most A-hole license plate the other day on a on a Prius, though. I read this article. I meant to ask Rupert about this, but I guess in California there's this thing happening called uh, hybrid rage. Because in California... If you drive a hybrid like a Prius, you are allowed to use that carpool lane even when there's just one of you. Uh, Hybrid cars are allowed to use the carpool lane. And, you know, that carpool lane is, I mean, that causes anger in people anyway because that rush hour in LA is just so, such hell. So apparently there's now this thing, Prius rage, or hybrid rage, about, like, drivers who see a guy where it's just one person, but because they're in a hybrid, they're allowed to use the carpool lane, and other drivers, like, take shots at them with guns because oh yeah. they're so filled uh, with anger about yeah. it. It's Martin movie. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I was behind a Prius the other day, and the guy had a license plate. I don't mean to be revealing a person's license plate on the air, but what are you going to do? It's integral to the story. I am amazed that a guy like this hasn't been pulled over and just beaten senseless. He was driving a car. Talk about a smug license plate. On a breeze, his license plate said 52 MPG. <laughs> that's a guy. I'm not going to say he's asking for it, but I'm going to say that's a license plate that seems likely to instigate some kind of violence against the owner at some really? point. Well, not from me. I don't care, but I'm saying, can't you just see? Well, I
2: guess from, yeah, from some, like, some guy gas, who just filled
1: but... up his, filled up his, what, Tim? Not a truck, but a what? his I was going to say, truck. Truck? Some guy who just filled up his truck for $740. He just spent, you know, some guy who just maxed out his credit card to fill his truck, and then he sees some dick with a light that says 52 MPG. I, that guy's going to get a lead pipe across the side of the head one of these days, I'm telling you. And I'm not advocating that. I'm just I'm calling them as I see them, kids. So there you go. All
3: right. Well, for those of you in the coup who like to come down here to the big city and paint the town red, be advised, crossing the interstate bridge will not be easy late at night this week. ODOT plans to lift the bridge multiple times overnight. The list will occur through Friday between 11 p.m. and 5 a.m. You'll be delayed 20 minutes. So you may want to use the I-205 bridge during that period of time. Well, okay. Why not tell a friend? Okay. That's all we have for now. Are you done? I believe so. I can check on Brittany things one more time before we leave here. It's been fairly quiet here.
1: If you want to. And in the meantime, I can just... uh, In the meantime, I'll just play the... uh, Let's see if I can...
3: uh... Damn it, I have... uh, No, I have nothing new here. That's a
1: paparazzi. Okay, there's no uh, there's no new Britney sound. Nothing. Nothing. All right. Nothing.
3: Nothing. We'll just have to deal with that. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello.
1: Hey, who's
3: this? <laughs> Charlie the janitor. Someone
1: has someone has the equation reversed. I'm Hi, you're on the to... air, uh, you're on the air, sir. How can I help you?
7: Hey,
4: Rick, this is Brian. I got another license plate on a Prius you got to know about.
1: Well, this is a real tricky area here, because it now is this a personalized plate?
4: Uh, yeah, it's a it personalized license plate. I just saw it the other day on a construction site. So it, is, really...
1: it is integral to the story?
4: Uh, very much
9: so, Okay, yeah.
1: go ahead, sir. But one
4: of those rather cocky license plates you see on something like that,
1: like uh-huh. the
9: one you just talked about, Yeah, it said N-O-4-N-O-L, no
7: foreign oil.
1: Oh, uh, well, see, I, I can kind of get with that one a little bit. That's the only reason I would ever drive a hybrid. I mean, because I think in the long run, I mean, I don't know, but it seems like in the long run those things cost you a lot anyway. Because I think repairs on those things are just fantastically expensive. I could be wrong yeah. about that, but I found that
9: for me though, you know, I used to drive like a '93 Nissan Sentra that got, uh, you know, 36 miles per gallon, right? And of course, it cost me like $2,300 to buy, and it ran really good. Yeah. So well, buy one of those versus having a two or three hundred dollars a month payment. I do it.
1: like the idea of. Uh, I, I, I like the idea of being able to tell Saudi Arabia to go suck one, though. That is I do. That is sort of gratifying, the idea of just being able to tell them to pound sand. All right. Thank you, yeah, sir. All right. Thanks, Rick. Tim Riley, ladies and gentlemen, greatest newsman in the history of the planet, back at 4, 5, 6, and 7, top of the hour, eh, all the way through Lycus. You
2: know, I never got to read you that thing that I was looking at this morning, and you asked if it would upset you, and I said, yes, it probably would. Oh,
1: wait, is this the... Okay. Now, there's two things, though. You have uh, something... Some movie thing that was gonna upset me, and then you have an Indiana Jones spoiler.
2: I can't remember the Indiana Jones spoiler though. I think Aaron, Aaron might have sent it to me again because I found it a long time ago, and you said you didn't want to hear it, so I lost well, it. Well,
1: I changed. I don't know.
2: Okay, yeah, I have it.
1: Okay, so this is the spoiler or the thing that's gonna make me angry?
2: Let's do the spoiler first.
1: Okay, now we're gonna give people a warning, like a 15 second window. So for the Wait, next, should we make a a, a geek watch? Sure. Both of these are kind of geeky. Why not? Here's your geek watch for uh. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar dilemma, I remember you used to... just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux, <laughs> like, just listen on that. There, there, there is
4: no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. Yeah.
2: You got it? That it does. Okay, so this is from Aaron. This is from his friend who knows somebody who's working on the movie set.
1: Uh, Indiana Jones 4? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's kind of impressive.
2: Well, come on. I mean, he's the one who could tell me when nobody else could tell me where the and in the city is being filmed. Oh, that is true. Anything.
1: All right, so for the next 15 seconds, there will be spoiler talk about Indiana Jones 4. You are pre-warned. Okay. Go ahead.
2: All right, Aaron, with this. So what I've been told is that the Soviet Union's picking up where the Nazis left off when it comes to religious artifacts. The movie opens with them already having the Spear of Destiny and the Holy Grail, and they break into the warehouse to steal the Lost Ark, and the warehouse is in what they now know as Area 51. How this all ties in Indiana Jones and this Crystal Skull remains to be seen. Spielberg and Cruz seems to be driving at a Worlds from Beyond vibe. Considering this takes place in the 1950s, it does make sense. We'll see.
1: That totally makes sense. And that the, the, the Crystal Skull... He is purportedly an artifact of alien visitation to Earth. That's what they always said about it.
2: Yeah, and I was reading another one yesterday where they fired a PA because there's a PA working on it, and he had to sign a nondisclosure agreement, and he decided to just go and tell everybody about it anyway. we for him. Yeah, and there's a scene where Indiana Jones is tied up and Kate Blanchett's interrogating him. Yeah, and sexy interrogation,
1: too. too. Oh, you know it is. Um, what, isn't that in, in Last Crusade where she punches him and then kisses him, that Nazi chick?
2: No, she, yeah, she slaps him.
1: Yeah. yeah. This is how we interrogate you.
2: And Uh, this is the one I read this morning.
1: All right. And is this going to make me angry? I don't know. All right.
2: Jason's coming back. Transformers director Michael Bay is reviving Friday the 13th franchise through his low-budget production company. He's remaking the original 1980 horror classic.
1: I don't even know if I care about that. I just don't. I.
2: You love Friday the 13th. I guess. But I mean... You seem so broken. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lost my will to live. No, you know, the thing about it is... I I think we were talking about this on the air, actually, uh, a while back, about Friday the 13th versus Halloween. The Rob Zombie remake of Halloween kind of made me irritated because... that's
2: Rob Zombie. This is Michael Bay, Rick. Michael Bay. I know,
1: know, but I guess the point I'm making here is that Halloween and actually Halloween 2 were really great classic horror films. Really, really good. Well done. And that's why it made me angry that Rob Zombie failed so badly to make a good Halloween film. The thing is, I've seen every Friday the 13th multiple times, but you know what? I recognize the Friday the 13th films are just terrible. I mean, they're just trash. They really are. We can bring, Yeah, go ahead. If you have to break, we have to break. But I recognize that the Friday the 13th films are just trash. They are They are the fish sticks of, uh, uh, of, of, of filmmaking, if that. I mean, they really are just... They're absol- I mean, they're absolutely without redeeming qualities. So I can't get that upset about him. What's he going to do? Make them bad? All right. Back after this. It's the Rick Emerson Show.
2: You
1: know, this is a good question. This guy says, how can they have the grail if it was destroyed at the end of the last crusade when it fell into the ravine?
2: That's what Aaron said. He said they have the grail, but he doesn't know how.
1: Well, all right, then. We now enter the saddest part of the broadcasting day, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. Like us next, Donna, Mike at 7, John and Jeff at 11, Fox Sports Overnight. And, of course, uh, we'll follow Dennis Miller tomorrow, Dennis Miller 8 to 11, and so forth. Uh, we want to thank CNN Radio Correspondents Jim and Lisa Goddard. Uh, tomorrow is the last day we'll be able to talk to Lisa Goddard before she becomes Lisa, blah, 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 whatever, her married, Desjardins. Uh, so we'll talk to uh, the not-quite-married-yet Lisa Goddard tomorrow. Um, also, I'm not sure what happened What became of Peter Carlin. Boy, you know, our guests are really kind of, uh, our guests are a little sketchy this week. <laughs> all right. Uh, what else is coming up tomorrow? There was something else that seemed very exciting that I forgot to mention. Well, it could have been that exciting. Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and Talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM 970, Solid State Radio. In the newsroom, Tim Riley, the PA, Scotty J, the gatekeepers, Dave Zinn. As always, my friends, thank you for listening. Don't let the bastards grind it down. Watch out for snakes. Be safe. See you all tomorrow. Bye now. <laughs>